Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Desert Island Games with me, JL76 Gaming, or John, and my special guest is Aidan Watkins from the YouTube channel. Is your YouTube channel actually called Retro Junkie, or am I just making that up? No, you're just making that up. It's, it's, just, my, <laughs> it's just my name. <laughs> um, of course, uh, Desert Island Games here on the Retro Online Radio Network. Welcome, Aidan, and thanks very much for coming on. Well, as just about everyone else says, but I genuinely mean it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, and this is actually show number ten, so you're the kind of birthday guest, if you like. <laughs> Ooh, tenth anniversary! Well, tenth, tenth week anniversary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, Aidan Watkins. If you don't know about him, you should do. Um, his channel is www.youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Aidan Watkins. And it's a great channel. It's got over 260 subs the last time I checked, which is way more than what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll find a lot of gameplay, gameplays and things like that on it. You do. You've done some Sega Rally, Daytona. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's it's, it's odd because I started off doing a sort of like very unique reviews of like very obscure things people don't know about, yeah. and then. I sort of just started recording emulator footage to show because like a lot of people seem to think Dreamcast and Sega Saturn emulation is just crap, but obviously as you can see it's not. It's like almost a hundred percent there, and you know I just I, to be honest I just didn't really know what I want to do with YouTube at all. But obviously now I've sort of found my niche and what I want to do, so <laughs> got a bit of focus now. Yeah, um, and obviously the thing you've been doing latterly, um, which is brilliant, is uh, the game the game chasing with game chasing. Game chasing with uh, Mark from Handheld Retro. I think you've done three episodes of that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, Mark, uh, it's funny. It's quite a funny story. Me and Mark met through uh, another live podcast, the Two Fat Bastards stream. You know, which Chris Shank and Carl do. Did. Um, yeah, I just randomly commented and all that. You know, as they go, and then Mark messaged me saying, "Oh, hang on, mate, I'm from Nice as well." So I was kind of like, "Oh, okay, fair enough." So we got talking and all that. He asked me if I fancied uh, this, you know, I'm going to look around some boot sales and that one day. And I thought, well, why not? And it just kind of grew from that, really. Yeah. So you didn't have any reservations about meeting a stranger off the internet? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, if, you know, it's not like I'm 12 years old anymore or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, but there's still a lot of bad people out there. <laughs> not, obviously, Mark's not one of them. But... Yeah, no, I, I, I know what you mean. But again, we were talking for a while and... I guess it depends on, it's hard to explain, but you know, sometimes when you meet people, you get that vibe and you just know if that makes sense. It's well, yeah, to, to be honest, it makes perfect sense because um, despite me saying that, I actually met my wife on the internet. Oh, wow. And um, we met kind of, we met halfway, we met, you know, obviously I'm up here in Scotland and she's down kind of northwest of England, so we met kind of halfway, uh, well, I don't know, it's quite halfway, but Newcastle, um, without... And she didn't even tell her mum that she was doing it, so that 
crazy. Oh, wow. uh, but thankfully, I wasn't a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, at least you don't think. But um, yeah, no, exactly like you said. It's it's again. I know it's it's very easy to be fake and phony and all that kind of thing. But I guess it's just. You know, we were speaking for a while, and then we met up and all that, and, you know, it, it was in public. It's not like it's like, hey, meet me in the back of my van in the middle of the street in the night or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good because, I mean, looking at the videos, you look as if you've, you've known each other for years. You, you seem to be looking at quite good chemistry, you know what I mean? Not in a yeah. gay way, also. <laughs> yeah, no homo. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, it's just two dudes who grew up loving Sega and retro gaming and all that, and... It's it's just um we both share this sort of um scenario because I have other friends of course uh, and they have no interest whatsoever in retro you know for them it's oh let's just play Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto Five online and you know I'm not knocking it if that's really like great but I kind of I just I just prefer retro stuff you know whether it's nostalgia goggles or whatever I I don't know okay. I mean, so it's just nice to have met someone and know someone now and just get along and be able to hang out with someone that loves and shares the same passion as I do for gaming and, well, retro gaming anyway. Yeah, you mentioned your friends. That's, that was going to be one of my questions later on, but since you mentioned that, I'll kind of go into that. Um, what do your friends and your family think of you doing this kind of YouTube stuff? Um, to be honest with you, I don't think any of them know. I mean, um, my parents know about the whole Retro on Limb Network thing, and they're just like, alright, cool, whatever, get on with it, you know? <laughs> As for my friends, I don't think they even know, to be honest with you, and even if they did know, I I don't think they'd really care, in, not not in the bad context, but they'd just be like, oh, okay, cool. So your friends aren't, would take the mic out of you for doing it or anything like that? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I'm not sure. I mean, they probably would, but I'm not sure they'd make it a big deal or really, you know, rip in. They'd just be like, oh, that's silly that is, and that's probably just about it. So, just finishing up on the game chasing, when should we expect the next video then on that? Um, well, I was, I just, oh God, stuttering. We went out, uh last weekend on Saturday and we got plenty of footage from where we uh, visited with all that and um, we're going to be heading out again this following weekend but I'm expecting to hopefully have the next episode up uh, maybe Thursday or Friday I've still got a bit of editing to do yet and I'm a bit busy this week so it's taking a bit longer than normal Mark recently joined Retro, Retro and Lime as well didn't he? Yes he did Yeah. so if you're listening Mark welcome to the team I believe he is listening. <laughs> yeah, the latest, latest recruit. <laughs> it's great to have you on board uh, in the ever-grown Retro Online network. Um, but anyway, aside from retro gaming, which is obviously a big love in your life, you're also um, a budding mus- musician. I can't say that word. Budding musician. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, music star. <laughs> guitar yeah. player. So are you guitar only or do you do vocals? Uh, I I do backing vocals. I'm not the lead singer, but you know, uh, I, my voice isn't really suited for the stuff we do. I'm far too di- I'm far too soft and Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe your band is called Rocket Dog. Yep, well, uh, Rocket Dogs. Yeah, play role. <laughs> it's not um, it's not um, named after the shoe, is it? Do you know it's a funny story that. Actually. <laughs> I mean. 
we were randomly just jamming in the room when we first sort of got together and we were playing and, we, and the first thing we were like is okay so what are we going to call ourselves and he's just uh, our bass player his name's Vaughn and we just literally like looking around the room he just looked at, uh, at a sticker which was randomly attached to his guitar case and he said rocket dog and he just went fuck it rocket dogs excuse my French but I have to quote him for authenticity it's a cool name actually for a band I like it yeah, it's you know it's it's not it's nothing particularly original or unique, but you hear it and you think, oh okay, it's it's something you kind of remember, I guess. And are you purely at the moment a covers band, or are you writing any of your own stuff? Uh, Rocket Dogs is cute. Uh, purely a covers band. Uh, funny enough, myself, the singer and the bass player were originally in an originals band many many years ago. Um, we got an album out, did music videos, played throughout the place. Even played in um, the O2 in I God where was it I think it was Birmingham or something and cool. all that and all that stuff but you know it, it didn't quite take off and things happened so here we are. Well, I've, you were kind enough to send me some of your stuff um, earlier, earlier in the day, um, some live stuff that you've got, just kind of quick clips. Um, so I might play some throughout the show. Yeah, uh, and I'll play one just now, just seeing as we're talking about it, and I'm going to kick off with, a, with this one because I'm a massive ACDC fan, and oh. this is a highway to hell, so here we go. That is awesome. <laughs> that's, that's the first time I've heard that. Obviously, you sent me them earlier on, but because I was at work, I didn't have a chance to listen to them. So that's the first time I was listening to it, and it's it's actually quite a faithful. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? A faithful cover, um, cover uh, to the original. Was the guy's got a great voice for uh, Bon Scott? I must say. Yeah, we we try to like remain as authentic as possible, but obviously, given like technology these days, and you know amplifiers and that kind of thing it, it just it, it sounds modern i the way the way we sort of envision it is imagine if acdc were a band that recorded in this day and age now they did the song these days with the modern techniques that's how it sound sort of if that makes sense i've, I've seen um quite a few good acdc cover bands in my time and um, the best one i think was a bon scott era tribute band called um dc79 yeah, them. I've heard them. You heard them? Uh, I've seen, I must have seen, hold on, I need to turn my television down. I just really realised my <laughs> television's on. Professional as ever. Right, yep. there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen them several times, but unfortunately the, the original sinner from that cover band left and they got another, another guy in and it wasn't quite as good. So Anyway, um, we'll get on to music and this is a retro games show, so we'll... We'll move on before we end up talking to us about music. Just, just, just a free plug-in for those who actually care. If you want to listen to more stuff, go to facebook.com slash rocketdogs. Yes. And I will I will be doing that later on to hear more. Is that, have you got a full version of that? Same yeah, song, yeah. yeah, there's a full version on there and some other live clips and all that. Just, you know, shameless plug and all that. Not at all. <laughs> anyway, um, so... 
what this show is all about for anybody that's not listened in the last nine or ten weeks. It's Desert Island Games based on the obviously the famous Desert Island Discs, which is on Radio Two, BBC Radio Two. But um, instead of picking a retro, a retro, a, a record to take on a Desert Island, you get to pick a game, or should I say, eight retro games. So without further ado, I think we'll move on to your list. Yep. And the first one on your list, in order you gave me a minute, uh, is Nights into Dreams slash Christmas Night into Dreams on the Sega Saturn. Yep. So I believe that came out in 1996 on the Sega Saturn, but it did also get a release on the PS2 in 2008, and it came out again in PS Network and Xbox Live on in 2012. Um, tell me a bit about the game and why you've chosen it. Oh, God, where to begin? Um, okay, first of all, for those that don't know, uh, Night into Dreams was created by, uh, well, it, when I say created, it was, you know, written by, thought up and programmed by none other than Sonic the Hedgehog's creator, Yuji Naka. And, uh, you know, it's 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 an interesting game. There's it's so much to talk about it, but it's probably one of the most best examples, I would say, to calling a video game an art form. Um... The gameplay itself is really simple, you know, you just, you fly from left to right, it's essentially on rails, but you sort of have freedom of, uh, you know, when you go in vertical, you can choose to go up or down and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But the basic object is, you know, you collect 20 orbs, destroy uh, this capsule, and then you take the uh, idea, as it's called, back to where you started, and then you go around uh, the level in the next course, but it's just... I, I don't know how to explain, but it's just so addicting because um, the levels are so well designed. The, the music, the graphics, the way it plays, everything is just so finely tuned. It's it's amazing. Now, I know you said they had ports on the PlayStation 2 and the recent ones on, like, say, P- uh, Steam on PC and Xbox Live. And, yeah. they're gr- you know, I've played them and they're great, I guess, for people who've never played it before, don't have access to a Saturn, but I can't stress enough that the way to truly play it is on an original Sig Saturn. There is no other way to do it. But um, when you said the slash part as well, um, the Christmas nights, the interesting thing about that is that it's essentially, um, it's basically a demo disc, but the idea behind it was what Sega did was they released them all over to shops and all that. Whenever you bought a Sega Saturn game, you'd get a copy of Christmas Nights for free as a sort of Christmas present from Sega, like, you know, as, as a sort of personal thank you. And they also gave them out, I believe, on the Sega Saturn magazine, uh, which is a UK magazine that was out during, you know, the mid-90s and all that. But the idea of it was, <clears throat> excuse me, that basically uh, they took a level out of Nights, but they added loads and loads of features in uh, Christmas theme, for example. So when you play in winter, the level is covered with snow, there's Christmas trees, um, just it's, there's loads of lights and that kind of thing. And it just, it's just, I just thought it was such a great labour of love to give out for free to people. You know, I, I know the hidden, sort of hidden agenda, if you will, is sort of like, hey, try this game, and if you like it, you can buy the full one. But it's, it had so much extra in there, like it had this amazing, unique system where it would link up with the internal clock of the Sega Saturn. So if you played on Christmas Eve, which I did in 2013, Christmas Eve, yes, uh, <laughs> it, it's a bit of a Christmas, it's a bit of a Christmas tradition for me to play every year. Um, sure. When you fly around the levels, you see Santa Claus uh, flying in his sleigh with reindeer in the background and that kind of thing, and it's just little unique, little things like that that just give it so much uh, character and just 
it's just awesome. It's, you know, it's something I just really, I don't know, it just fills me with joy. Like, that's the only way I can explain. But, um, not only that, but unlike the full Game of Nights, once you defeat a boss and stuff, you get your uh, score and your ranking and all that. But then you get to this new menu called uh, Christmas Presents. And the idea was is that you'd have a certain number of um, tries to unlock these different presents and it was a basic memorization game so you'd click on one square it'd show an image you click on another if the oh, image yeah. yeah if the image didn't match then it yeah. would obviously count as a fail and you can try again yeah. but uh, each of these christmas presents were unique things so you'd, you could unlock a time and trial mode to it you could unlock um character art you know that that kind of thing but when i what is quite possibly the most awesome thing about it is you could unlock the ability to play Sonic the Hedgehog for the first time on the Sega Saturn in 3D, which is quite amazing, <laughs> especially back then. As, as you know, uh, most Sega fans know, there was no true 3D Sonic game released yeah. on the system. And to be able to run around the levels as Sonic in 3D like that, is, it was just mind-blowing for me as a kid. I just, you know, I'm a huge Sega fan, always have been, always will be. And to finally be able to play that, you know, during Christmas time when I got it as a kid, it was just like, oh my God, how can life get any better? You know, in the in the mind of like a seven year old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just looking at some of the the screens as you as you talk there. It does look really nice. Some of the graphics. Um, I mean, I don't know, I'm looking at the that version right enough. I might be looking at more up to date graphics, but the graphics I'm looking at are certainly nice. Yeah, the the HD versions are cool and all, but I it's it's really hard to explain. But because of all the filters and all the extra nonsense, it just seems to take. I I can't explain, but it takes away from, for me personally, again maybe it's nostalgia goggles, but it takes away from what the game, the game's charm and its art style. If you play it on the Saturn yeah. and you watch the Saturn version, you just see the way the graphics look it just it just looks a lot better I really can't explain it it's, it sounds crazy but no, I'm sure I know what you're trying to say it's, it's like that with a lot of games um, the one and I'm sure I've mentioned this before one in particular last year that I played uh, was uh, the remake of Flashback oh yeah it's what's live and it looked lovely it really did but it's just not the same yeah, yeah. yeah. and again um, <clears throat> so like you know that, that part is um, of course Christmas night but then when it, when we go back to the actual Nights into Dreams, the main title itself, it just had so many amazing things going on for it. Um, it only had, I believe, it was uh, what was it, seven levels in total. So uh, you play two characters, Elliot and Clarice, I believe were the names, mm. or Clarice, depends how you pronounce it. Ah. Um, they'd have three unique levels each, but then the last level was the same level for both of them. But it's it's I'm just trying to think how to explain it. It's just such a unique every level had a distinctive gimmick and unique art style for it like there's one level <clears throat> where um, you fly inside water and then night turns into what looks like I can only describe as a dolphin of sorts right and you, you know oh god the game is so wacky to explain you, it's, <laughs> honestly if you check out game footage or play it you'll see how 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 it is so hard to describe but it's just mm. coupled with the music and everything it's it's such an amazing game and <clears throat> there's so much put into it which people still don't recognise this day um, for example there was a, a system um, 
there's these little creatures called mycopians in there and right. they actually have their own artificial intelligence and culture if you will you yep. know it's it's sort of like the precursor to what became the chose in sonic adventure and i'll get into that later <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically how you how well you did in levels and how you reacted to things um would determine then uh, how they react to you, and then if you do good things and, it's, and loads of them thrive within the levels, then the music would actually dynamically change to reflect that. And it's just amazing to think like there's so much effort and so much thing, stuff like that put into a game, which most people probably glance over and don't think about, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, so I take it it's a game that's... Well, you've already kind of answered that for me, but I take it it's a game that um, it's got a lot of reap value for you then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The reason uh, I gladly take it on Desert Island is simply because one of the most enjoyable aspects of it is uh, getting links and chains. So basically, <clears throat> every time you uh, collect an item or whatever, like whether it be stars or you fly through these rings or you collect the orbs and all that, you get points. And every time you consecutively collect more, it multiplies. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, when you get, you know, you can go really fast through the level and perform different types of acrobatic tr- um, aero ac- acrobatic tricks and stuff like that and when you've just got a mastery of the controls and you're literally whizzing through the levels scoring up massive points and stuff it's just really satisfying um, again it's, it's a really simple concept but it's, I'm sure like many people can see with many great games and stuff when you couple great you know when it just feels right when you play it and you couple it with great catchy music that really cheers you up and like you know lifts your mood and all that kind of stuff it's just it just makes for a fantastic package and <clears throat> i've been playing it I, I mean i still have my sega saturn from when i first had it in 1996 and what well, we now 20, 2014 and i still play the game throughout the year ever since then <laughs> so it's, it's got to be doing something right <laughs> yeah oh totally i mean i think i think everybody's got a game that they'll just go back to again and again um i think for me it's monkey island i, I play that i go through that about twice a year <laughs> see no yeah, not to not to derail too much. That's the that's the old uh, point of click adventures, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah. See, so, yeah, I I I skipped over all them because when I was a kid, I, I was all it was all consoles and stuff for me, so I never got to experience them. Yeah, it's straight. Yeah, it was DOS based and it was on the Amiga as well. I think it might be on the Atari ST. I can't quite remember, but there there has been some remakes made of them uh, in the last couple of years on the usual things, uh, Xbox, PSN, and on the uh, uh, iOS and Android, um, but it's those things. If you never played it back in the day when you were a kid, then you might it might not have the same appeal to you if you try and play the remake. But because I was kind of brought up with Monkey Island, so um, I always go back to it. Like you go back to that game. Yeah, yeah, no, I it, you literally just hit the nail on the head for me. It's, it's like you said, you know, like when you talk about the Amiga and all that kind of stuff. I never had any of that, or even now I'm still quite to be honest with you, is somewhat ignorant of me, but I don't really know anything about it because it's nothing that I've never had the experience of growing up, so to yeah, me totally. it's just straight over my head. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just what, whatever you've experienced. I mean, I've never had a Sega Saturn. I've never had a Nintendo, so I've missed out on so much. I've only recently um, acquired a Nintendo emulator, so I'm starting to play some old Nintendo games that I never had the opportunity to do in my youth. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a similar story for me. Um, me and Mark were talking about it, funny enough, not long ago, and we're going to go into detail about it uh, in a video together soon. And um, basically where we grew up, or at least where I grew up around here in South Wales, 
I didn't know anyone with Nintendo here. It was all Sega, Sega, Sega. And <laughs> I mean, anyway, everyone knows doing like the sort of eight and sixteen bit era that Sega were the guys that ruled the market over here compared to Nintendo. I mean, at least where I was anyway. So yeah, I think it was. I think it was similar here. Um, most of the people I knew had Segas. I think my cousin, one of my cousins, had an uh, an S. Uh, but most of the people I was at school with had um, Sega, Sega yes. Master System, Sega Mega Drive. Although before that, I mean, I'm obviously a lot older, so I can remember a lot of guys in my school. It was either Commodore 64 or Spectrum, Sega Spectrum. Now, I know, I know what they are, but they're, <laughs> they're still way before me. And <laughs> yeah, you need, to be, you need to be an old guy like myself and Monkey Spaz to appreciate those. <laughs> So, yeah, is there anything else you want to add on, on that awesome game, or do you want to move on? Um, all I can definitely say is, this is going to sound really, really bad of me, but, you know, if you want to try the game, and I highly recommend you do, because, let's face it, if you're a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog, and you want to see the, you know, Eugene Nakas uh-huh. at work, you've got to try this game, but if you have no other way than the modern systems, fine, do it. But honestly, experience it on the sat and the way it was meant to be played. I mean, hell, even if you have to just download like an, a, a ROM and an emulator, just do it. Just make sure you delete it within 24 hours because that's the uh, legal law, by the way. As I do, yep. So, talking about Sonic, um, your next game is a Sonic game and it's a collection uh, which goes by the name of Sonic Jam, again on the Sega Saturn. Sorry, mate. I think your microphone cut out for a moment there. All right, I'll start again. Uh, so we're t- you're talking about Sonic there, and your next game is a Sonic game. It's Sonic Jam, uh, the collection that came out for the Sega Saturn in 1997. Yeah, there's a bit of a trend going on here, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. But um, I, this one, I believe, had on the first three Sonics and Sonic and Knuckles. Yep. Was it just those four games then that, that was on it? Yeah, it was just those four games at the time. Um, of this... God, there's a lot to talk about with this one. Um, obviously, the reason I wanted to, I would choose this compilation. I mean, I mean, it's easy to think, oh, let's go with the mega collection with all the extras, but I think that's cheating. I think you know, keeping it like this is a bit more fair. I think, but the obvious reason I chose this is because Sonic. <laughs> yeah. You know, during his golden era of the 16-bit, Sonic 1, 2, 3, Sonic and Knuckles, you literally, literally the like epiphany of all 16-bit gaming perfection. How can you not go wrong? I mean. Let's face it, everyone already knows about those games. There's nothing I, I can truly say that anyone else hasn't said before. You know, it's mind-blowing. It's the most awesome fun I've ever had. Yeah. You know, great graphics, great sound. Great. Um, But just on the topic, uh, did you know about Sonic 3, about the music actually being produced and done by Michael Jackson? I did. Only recently, I, I can't remember if it was... Um on one of these days at Alien Games, or whether it was on a Retro Online network, um, Retro Online stream, but yeah, I, did, I, I do remember somebody talking about that recently, so no, but up until maybe the last few months, I didn't know that. So it's, it's amazing to think, he must have, he, I mean, Michael Jackson must have got paid a fortune for doing that. Um, I don't I don't think, uh, I don't think they actually have to pay him, I think he was done as a labour of love. There's, wow. there's a lot of conflicting reports, because <clears throat> there's, um, the the best, I mean, the original video that came out uh, showing off the similarities between code structures between songs in Sonic 2 and Michael Jackson was released many, many years ago. But recently, um, I can't remember exactly who it was. It's it's a big gaming channel. It's, it's literally just gone over my head. Um, you know, they have like a website and everything. It's 
you know, they're a big deal. Um, they did they did this thing, a uh, huge, huge, um, detailed investigation about it, and they they managed to get in contact with many of the uh, musicians who worked there. Michael Jackson's uh, the guy who wrote the music with Michael Jackson for the game and all that, right. and they've. <clears throat> they've led to many sources that Michael Jackson did actually produce songs for the game. And many of them are in Sonic 3, though not every single one was done by him because there were many um, different circumstances. There was obviously the child uh, abuse allegations, which mm. obviously Sega had sort of like pushed, you know, sort of didn't say anything about Michael Jackson because it could obviously hurt sales of the game, you know, that kind of thing. But then there's other reports saying that Michael wasn't happy with the way the Meg Drive sound chip was because uh, those of you that know Michael Jackson and his music, he's like a very big profession, uh, mm. perfectionist. Sorry, he wanted everything to be perfect. Um, I, I'm not sure what to believe, but I no, either way, his music's still in the game and it's awesome. Mm. There's, yeah. there's, there's uh, two clear examples. One's in Carnival Night Zone. Uh there's a specific uh, melody that goes da 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 and that is the exact same melody that's in one of his songs called Jam. Right. And it even has the uh, glass smashing sound effect in both and all that. And the other one is um, the end credit sequence. It shares the exact same chord pattern, although faster, as his other song called Stranger in Moscow. And uh, <clears throat> it's, it's just amazing to think, like, you know, such a massive celebrity icon like that and personally one of my favourite singers and artists of like all time done music to one of my favourite games of all time it's like a match made in heaven in some ways <laughs> yeah we were talking about Michael Jackson earlier I was um, recommending uh, a cover version of Billie Jean uh, by a singer called Chris Cornell out of um, Soundgarden he does an awesome acoustic version of Billie Jean and I know you kind of like oh I don't what you listen to it in case it kind of ruins it but honestly it's a brilliant version I was, I was kidding I'll, I'll, be sure to check. I'll be sure to check it on YouTube um, but anyways going into a bit more detail about Sonic Jam I do apologise from lecturing it's just nice to share uh, interesting facts about it Like <laughs> I like before you go on um, just uh, briefly um, just a quick opinion on the, what you're saying about the, the theories um, I mean I would be more inclined to go with the first theory personally but what about secret theory number three that that they actually ripped them off, and and that's why they didn't say much about it because they didn't. Um, uh, that's I, just just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm not really sure to be honest with you. Um, maybe, <sighs> maybe maybe that's why they were keeping it low key because they ripped them off and they didn't want it to make a big fuss. No, I I I don't think it was that. It's because um, again, I think. It's, it's you know it's a possibility it is it's, you know there's no point uh, denouncing that but I think the main reasons though is probably the whole child abuse allegations because that the whole court cases and all that started to hit massive media coverage all over the world around the time that the game was in development and obviously the last thing you want your game be it you know the last thing you are, you want to advertise is oh yeah with you know 
the next best Sonic game made with music by Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, wait, he's, you know, he's been accused of being a child abuser. That's just, that's really going to negatively impact Sega's yeah. sort of marketing. And it's not like they didn't already have a bad reputation. Well, I, I see that with quotation marks. You, you know, the Republican-American nonsense with, oh, violence in video games and all that nonsense. But, like, you know, they, they uh, released Mortal Kombat with all the fatalities and blood and all that stuff, which caused a huge ruckus in America. So I think with, with Sega being sort of in the spotlight, if you will, like that, and under pressure, the last thing they wanted to do was have that also hit hit them and be like, oh, Sega condone this and that, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I should say, before you continue with your Sonic Jam talk, that just in case Sega happened to be listening and give me a lawsuit, I'm not saying that's what happened, I'm just saying it could be a fee. <laughs> <laughs> I better not- point that out. <laughs> I don't think Sega are in a good financial spot to even sue you anyway. In a better financial spot than me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking. I love you really, Sega. <laughs> but anyway, carry on. I do apologise. No, no, not at all. Um, okay, uh, one of the other unique things which I love about Sonic Jam, I mean, it's in many ROM, ha- ROM hacks now, but I don't count them as, you know, official. This who cares about them. Um, Sonic 1 had the introduction of the spin dash put into it, which was well, and quite interesting. I mean, obviously the game was designed without that mechanic in mind, but it works really well. And the other interesting thing to note as well is that um, most collections and that kind of thing these days, they tend to rely on emulation. So that you know, you know, they have like the console emulation and a couple yeah. of ROMs thrown in, and that's how it's done. But all the games on Sonic Jam were actually complete recoded by Sonic Team to run on the Saturn using oh, its actual hardware. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a really, really uh, different way to go about it. And it's just, it's just nice to see they put the effort in to do that rather than just, you know, slap up an emulator together and bam, out it goes. Yeah. Did they look the same then or was there any little differences? Um, I think... Uh, to be honest with you, if if, you'd, if I was to play on the Mega Drive, then play on the Saturn afterwards, I, I don't think I'd notice that much of a difference. Right. But I, I think some some sprites and other things just looked a little bit sharper, and you know a, a, the colour was a lot more vibrant, should we say, because obviously the better hardware. Yeah. But for the most part, they were somewhat identical. Yeah, because the reason I'm asking that is because um, I've got a collection for PlayStation Two called Sega. Well, I think it's just called Sega Classics, but I think it was Sega Ages. Oh, yeah, me, in, yeah. in Japan, in, in complete remakes of the original games. Some of them are okay, some of them are not so okay. So okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, they, they, those are the ones where they were like completely remade in 3D and that kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, the Golden it, Axe and Outrun and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. They sort of, when I, I use the term low budget <laughs> sparingly, but you know what I mean, don't you? Yes. But, Funny enough, the Nights into Dreams thing you mentioned uh, being released on the PS2, I think that was uh, through the Sega Ages uh, collection as well, but obviously only in Japan. Ah, cool. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, didn't, I quite liked the, well, I liked the Outrun uh, on that collection. Um, the Golden Axe was okay, but yeah, the rest of them were kind of cheap, as you say, cheap kind of budget versions, if you like. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a sort of nice labour of love, but uh, it's to be honest, I'll stick with the originals. <laughs> yeah, well, same here. So, um, were you still? Have you got anything to add on this on each jam? Oh God, we, yeah. I still got some stuff to say. I do a pot. I'll try and get through as quick as I can. <laughs> 
but it's it's all interesting if yeah. like if you're if you're a Sega fan or you're a fan of Sonic and you know the history of games and the development cycle. It's really interesting stuff. Um, now, one of the cool unique features of Sonic Jam is that it actually had a 3D Sonic hub in in the world where basically it was called Sonic World, and what you do is uh, you actually play Sonic in full 3D. And you're able to run around what looks like a sort of green hill zone area mm-hmm. and, and plotted around the area. So, like, um, different buildings, and each building uh, had a distinct purpose. Like, one was about the history of Sonic up until that point. One, you could listen to the entire soundtrack from every game. Another had videos showing um, things such as Sonic CDs intro and ending, in you know, for the first time in high resolution back then, uh-huh. amongst um, sort of... Uh, Japanese ad uh, adverts or commercials if you're American for the games and that kind of thing but the most interesting aspect is the fact that obviously um, during this time there was still no 3D Sonic game but like this was to- uh, toted if you will as being the first uh, sample if you will of seeing Sonic's 3D adventure finally come into the Saturn obviously we know that never happened but the interesting thing to note is uh, from a technical standpoint is the draw distance on it was absolutely phenomenal which many people uh, know back in the day that the Saturn was always slammed for not being the best at 3D and it was all you know always got a lot of abuse from PlayStation fans you know how it is console wars but this sort of proved them wrong if you will and um, the interesting fact is that the 3D engine is actually based off the exact same engine that Nights into Dreams was created from so they have that connection there and um the other interesting fact is obviously about two, three years later, obviously we got Sonic Adventure from the Dreamcast. Now, the interesting thing to note is that that also used the engine which this 3D Sonic Hub came from. And um, I remember there's, there's loads and loads of articles and interviews and things you can read online. But the interesting fact is Sonic Adventure was originally going to be on the Saturn called Sonic World. And everything that Sonic Team had up until that point, before they scrapped it, was thrown into the Saturn Sonic world. You know, they they put a level together, but apparently there were a few other levels. Obviously, we didn't get to see and all that. But it's just it's just interesting to think that what you get to play on this disc is a sample of what truly could have been if uh, the Saturn didn't flop like it did. You know? Yeah, it's a shame that the Saturn flopped. It's had so much potential. And I think, um, I think as we said before, that Sega didn't really. I think they pulled the plug too soon. It's, 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 they had no choice. The, the whole, I mean, let's not get too into the whole debate of it. But the fact is, is that the marketing for the West was a complete disaster. Um, both the the West and the Sega of West and Sega of East were always conflicting internally between each other. So it it is basically, you know, like the. The Abraham Lincoln says a house divided on itself can't stand or whatever. Excuse me for butchering the quote, <laughs> but um, basically that that is that you happen. The company you've got two sides of the same company fighting against each other, and how how can you how is it supposed to do anything like that? You know, we've got to get on the same page. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that's the end of my lecture on that one. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's, I mean I love Sonic. Uh, love Sonic games. The first one I played. It was obviously the first Sonic, but I played it on the, the Master System version. So yeah, yeah, I like I like hearing about Sonic and things to do with Sonic. So that's cool. It's just it's, it's nice. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. so much history and yeah. information about the development that many people don't know about. So you know, yeah. it's nice. It's, it's nice to educate them if they're interested in that kind of thing. Indeed. So the next game on your list is 
fantasies start online, and this time it's Sega again, but this time it's Sega Dreamcast. And yep. this came out in 2001. It's an action RPG, I believe. Yep. Um, it was made by Sonic Team, as the last two games were as well, funny enough. Uh, again, I know there's a bit of a pattern here. It's not on purpose. <laughs> it, 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 it just happens to be that they're great games. So it was actually online. You could, you could play against other players online. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was... I mean, obviously, before that, on the PC, you know, the PC Master Race and all that, there were plenty, like, uh, multi-user dungeon games and early MMORPGs and that kind of thing. But, uh, obviously, this was completely unique for a console to have something like this. Um, yeah, yeah. Fantasy Star was a series that obviously originated on the Master System, had sequels on the Meg Drive, and they were mainly um, single-player RPGs, you know, story-driven and that kind of thing. But this is a huge departure from that. Um... And I, it's just, it's amazing. The game for me is just so enjoyable. Um, it's, it's really weird because the gameplay is really simple. You basically move, literally, all it is is move from room to room, clearing the room of enemies, destroying some boxes for items and that kind of thing. And it's just literally just going like that through room, through room, through room. Uh, then you fight a boss and then you go to the next big area and that kind of thing. And it's, it's really simple. But for some reason, it's so addictive, and I I don't know why. But my God, <laughs> quite often the the simple games are the most addictive. I think like it's just amazing to think that um, back in two thousand two thousand and one, you could hook up my Dreamcast to dial up, you know, through the phone line, and I was all of a sudden I was connected to the internet for the first time because I you know never had a PC until about you know early two thousands or whatever. And all of a sudden, I was running around this forest with some other adventurers, and we were like, you know, up from all over the world, able to communicate to text on screen in real time. It was just, it was mind blowing at the time. Yeah. And it was before its time, obviously, um, the first console to do it. So that, that's what I was going to ask. So you were, you were actually playing online with other people around the world, not just like your friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't actually have local um, co-op play. It had a port to the GameCube uh, a couple of years later, which uh, had like sort of split-screen co-op. But the Dreamcast version was literally single player on your own or um, online. But it's again, it's just the gameplay is just, it's so simple, but it's so addictive. Um, you know, you're going around, you're fighting enemies. They drop uh, gold. And it's not called gold. I can't remember exactly what it is, but. You collect that stuff and then you go to shops and you can buy better weapons and armor and supplies and that kind of thing. Um, but there's like you know there are quests as well, so it did you know you sort of had objective gameplay as well, and it's it's just amazing. I mean, obviously it's very dated by today's online standards, but it's it just holds a really special place for me because to think. Um, when you think back then, you know, again, when I was sort of in my mid-teens and all that, never experiencing something like this for the first time, it was just it was just phenomenal, absolutely amazing. And again, like I said, with the other Sonic Team stuff, <clears throat> uh, the art style was fantastic. The graphics for the time were amazing. And the music, just wow. <laughs> That's all I can say. I honestly... Um, Highly recommend just get on YouTube, type Fancy Star Online, like theme or whatever, and just listen to that opening theme music. It's just, <laughs> wow, li literally like goosebumps up the arms. <laughs> yeah. 
the only problem is they don't know how to, how to spell fantasy because they spelled it with a PH at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that, that was Sega's sort of unique spin, if you will, because yeah. you know they sort of had that thing going on, didn't they, where they took um, ideas from other popular franchises and changed them. You know, you have Final Fantasy, they have Fantasy Star, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no wonder the kids of today can't sell when things like that happen. <laughs> Hey man, it was text talk before it became cool. <laughs> yes, well, don't get me started on text talk. <laughs> <laughs> you grabbing off to you. I've got a, I've got a cousin uh, down in Birmingham, um, and every time she puts something on Facebook, it's like it, it, it takes me about five minutes to read uh, two lines of it, just try and work out what the hell she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an old furry daddy. I'm only thirty-eight, right enough, but I'm an old furry daddy. <laughs> But back back in the day, the, the best way to sort of communicate in fancy style was to try and make like words as small as you could. Because if you didn't own a Dreamcast keyboard, then trying to communicate was a nightmare. Because you could bring up an in-game keyboard, but obviously moving from key to key with a D-pad or an analog stick and a, a single button was very tiresome. <laughs> they had um, they had basic gestures like uh, you could um, quickly open a menu and you could automatically have like hello typed out and. You know, this that like you know, basic sort of communication tools like that, but yeah, text talk for the rest. <laughs> I did have a an assistant, kind uh, of. I was a web designer a few years ago in a radio station, and I had a kind of assistant, and um, he, he put he was emailing uh, one of the DJs at another radio station um, to do his work that we were doing, and he put. Whatever they put, they put LOL at the end of it, you know, like laugh out loud, obviously. Yeah. But I was having a one that it went uh, lots of love. <laughs> He's applying like, <laughs> to this guy. He said, no, no, I don't, I don't mean, I didn't mean I love you. I just meant uh, laugh out loud. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, like, I like to wind people up. That's the only time that text talk has came to my advantage. Taking <laughs> 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 the mickey to some poor guy. <laughs> yeah, again, it's a, it's a generational gap thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, there was also a Fantasy Star Online 2. Yes, um, I'll get into that in a moment, but um, just to sort of bring back to the sort of topic and theme of the show, though. Mm-hmm. Again, like the reason I would bring this on a desert island is simply because um, it's something, even though, again, the gameplay is really simple, like <clears throat> the other games, it's just so addicting going from room to room, upgrading your gear, doing the quests and all that, but... There's also several different classes, and each one has unique abilities. Like, for example, um, you have your warrior type, your warrior tank type, which is, you know, they can only use melee weapons, maybe a little bit of magic. Some can have, you know, really strong melee weapons but can't use magic. You have the ones who are then obviously magic users that suck at melee. Um, and you also have your rangers who are obviously sort of in the middle of the road but have able to, you know, have ranged attacks and all that. But... Um, again, I think what made <clears throat> Fancy Star Online unique for me as well is because it's it was an online RPG, but it it took place like in the future, if you will. You know, you had laser weapons, and you know, you're you're on a space station, and that kind of thing. It's just a really unique setting, but it's it's done in a certain way that it uh, I can't describe it. It's so stylistic yeah. uh, and just enjoyable again it's just something I dare say people should just watch YouTube for footage of or better yet grab a bleeding copy of the Dreamcast because it's amazing yeah. I think if I was making a, a game not just a game like this but any game I think I would make it futuristic as well so you can get cool as <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, like you yeah. could have <clears throat> instead of having regular swords, you had like you know lightsaber looking swords, oh, or sure. you had like laser rifles, or um, these um, God, what's the thing the Grim Reaper has? You know the uh, oh, sights. That's it, sights. Yeah. You'd have like a sight with a laser laser tips and that kind of thing. It's just it's it's awesome. Um, but when you when you're on about fancy star too now. Um, I believe that's only out in Japan at the moment. I mean, loads of people have been going nuts begging for, um, you know, a Western English unofficial release. But for some reason, they're not doing it yet. But I know for a fact I'll be jumping on it the moment it does. Yeah, I, I must admit I've I've never been a massive RPG fan myself. Um, well, was... it, this this again like with this one, this is it's this is more what I would consider to be action adventure with hints of RPG elements. I mean, right. you know, you move around in real time attacking things. Think sort of like Ocarina of Time, if you will. You know, you, you full 3D movement and you attack and choose when you want to and you can do combos and that kind of thing. But obviously you gain experience points when you defeat the enemies, which levels your stats up and just that kind of thing, you know? I take it it was still... Considering you were using a dial-up modem, 56K or whatever, um, I take it it was still... Still work pretty well considering considering you're using a dial up. Oh yeah, I mean obviously uh you'd have a maybe you'd have times you had a little bit of lag, but obviously back in back in those days the games were optimized for dial up considering you know, they didn't have much data flowing between the packets and all that nonsense. But you know, it it, it worked well from what I remember and I, I just used to have a lot of fun as well, uh just making my character go up levels offline and just doing the quests as well. It, yeah. Awesome. I remember the first game I played online was on the PC. It was um, I can never remember if it was called Unreal or Unreal Tournament. I think it was Unreal Tournament, um, and I was playing it on a dial-up modem like yourself. But the guy in work I was playing against, um, he was using a the first person that I knew that had, had uh, like a broadband, or I, I don't know if it was broadband, but a, certainly a faster connection. And he was every time he was killing me because he was so much it so much faster connection and. It's every time it's I I would just go to with my gun and I've, I've already been shot. <laughs> it's like just not fair. I think from what I recall and again don't quote me on this, it's been a long time. Um, at least from my experiences when I played Fancy Star Online it was only co-op. Um, so for example, you you join this um, once you go online, you join this huge lobby room that's filled with other players and people. Then you connect to a you can either join. Um, a pre-made lobby or you can make your own and then three other people can join you so there's four of you going around doing co-op it's, it's a similar thing like imagine Left 4 Dead you know where you can host your own game and three other people can join you or you can join someone else's that kind of thing but obviously I never had to worry about any of that kind of stuff uh, about being killed because of slow connections or anything but because uh, it was co-op yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there might have been PvP in there, but don't quote me on that. It's, I, I never took took part in it anyway, so... Yeah, well, I can't help you do it myself. <laughs> never played it in my life. But, um, yeah, so, so anything else you could tell me on that, or are you, what, you have to move on to the next one? Um, you can actually get it for PC for free now. I mean, it's it's essentially it's not really official, if you will. But Sega don't give a crap because it's an old game and they're not bothered. Um, and there are private servers up online. I actually hosted one for quite a while. Um, 
so you could, people could download the client, join in, and just play it exactly like it was on the Dreamcast or on the PC. So I, I think people should give it a try if they uh, fancy something, because MMOs these days seem to be so... How do I explain? Like, you know, games like World of Warcraft, there's so yeah. much, so, so, so much to them. I'm not knocking them. You know, if, if people enjoy it, great. But there's so much to the game that it's literally like a relationship. You have to put so much of your life into it to get yeah. anything out of it. And I just don't have that time or, or care. Whereas this game yeah. is more, this game's more jump in, play for an hour, level your character up, meet some people, log off, fine. This, you know, you're not missing anything. Yeah, I can relate to that. It sounds very similar, actually, to to this, this uh, football manager games. Um, I know it's not the same kind of game, but it's the same kind of scenario. The football manager game for the PC is so involved, you, you would have to spend devote a lot of your life to it. Whereas I've got football manager for iPhone or iPad, and you can just drop in and out of it. It's, it's exactly the same premise as what you're saying there. It's, I prefer the kind of lighter version. Again, it's it depends what you want. I mean... Yeah. For me, I, I like I like simple games. I can go in and go out. I yeah. I spend a, I spend a lot of my life playing games because then I have other responsibilities. I mean, other than work and the band and stuff. But it doesn't mean I want to be spending six hours of my day literally glued to one game just to do a single quest. Just forget it. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm I'm getting a lot and taking our arcade style games just now myself because I've got so many games in my collection that you, and a lot of them are involved. I just don't I just don't have the time to devote to them. So. I like playing things like, like Super Hanon. I've downloaded a version of that on the PlayStation Network, an old classic motorbike game. Things yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. And I think we'll move on to the next game. I think we're up to number four, I believe. Yep. And the next one is Shimu. On again on the Dreamcast. I promise, uh, I promise everyone there are games on other consoles. It's just, you know, this is, <laughs> this is just, you know, convenience. <laughs> yeah, get the Sega ones out of the way early on, the best ones. <laughs> yeah, essentially. So, so this was released in 1999, I believe, and it's an adventure game. So why would you take this one on a desert island? What is it about this game that you'd, you'd like to spend a bit of time with it on an island? I want to answer your question with a question. Why wouldn't you why wouldn't you want to take it on the desert <laughs> island with you? Oh my god, where do I begin with this game? <laughs> now, at its core, like you said, it is essentially sort of um an adventure game. But I think this I would personally literally consider Shenmue as a form of art. Now I know it's a big debate about whether people consider video games art or not. Yeah. And I, I understand certain games, like you say, like, you know, if you go in a, an arcade and you play Pac-Man, I wouldn't consider that art as such. I mean, if some people do, great, whatever. But in this standpoint, Shenmue, not only is it a technical wonder of the time, but the music, like, are even now what people please seriously after this is done, or even if you just want to put, like, move this... Just make sure you go on YouTube and type Shenmue theme and just listen to it because, wow, the music is just is some of the best I've ever heard. And to think it's composed for a game is just insane. <laughs> and then next comes the plot. Um, within the first, like, literally five minutes of the opening cutscene, basically, your father's murdered in front of you by this, by this other martial artist who he knows from his past. 
and obviously like you know you're um grieving for it and you want to go after the guy that's done it and all that you know it's your it's your cheesy uh cliche if you will but the way the plot unfolds and the way the character development is especially for the time is just amazing now uh the game was created by none other than Yu Suzuki, the man, you know, the legend of AM2, the man that created Virtual Fight, uh, Daytona USA, you know, all yeah. that kind of, ex- exactly, I don't need to explain what he's done, most people would know, and, it's just, even though, even though Shenmue can be completed, I would say, to answer, it could probably be completed in one sitting, if you spent about, um, eight to ten hours, solidly playing, but, it's just such a pleasure to play through this. There's, there's so much passion in the game because you can speak to any character and have a conversation with them. You you can interact with the world in the most amazing way that even most games now still don't even barely touch upon. Everything was dynamic, the weather, the conversation system, how, how the game unfolds, for example. Um, you can do it really quickly or you can take your time, which unlocks different events and that kind of thing. It's it's really hard to go into because it's just again similar to other other Sega games. There's so much put into it which people overlook and just seem to forget about, and it's such a shame. I mean, you could you you could say that perhaps they were over ambitious putting so much into it, but yet at the same time, it's the love and passion that they put into the game which is what makes me such a diehard fan, and I always will be because. The fact that someone put so much love and effort into making something yeah. which gave me so much joy and pleasure to play it it, it it sounds it sounds really almost philosophical if you will but it's it's incredible when you think about it but <laughs> going, going back in um away from my crazy lecture and love of it if you will <laughs> it's it's a it's what I would call a marmite game you either love it you hate it there seems to be almost no middle ground with Shenmue mm. which uh, is a shame really because it, it cost Sega so much money to, to produce and they were never going to make their funds back from it um, yeah. it, it started out life as a Saturn game which many people don't know about but there is footage on YouTube available um, they spent ages making it on that and they scrapped it to move it to the Dreamcast when the Saturn was discontinued and so forth and the second game came out Course, which I wish I could have put on this list, but it is, you know, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I want to give you eight games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, many of us, millions of us all over the world are still waiting for the third instalment, which we keep being teased about, but I don't think it'll ever happen, but fingers crossed. Yeah, it's a beautiful game, I'm looking at it now. It's, it's, it's really it's, a nice artwork, isn't it? It's really, honestly, it's hard to explain. You think back when, when this came out now. Give, put it back in the context of when it came out compared to anything else at the time and it was just mind-blowing but when when I say like about interaction there's so much in the world you could go into shops and buy items you could go into an arcade and play AM2 games funny enough like Outrun and Hang On and that kind of thing you know yeah. Space Harrier just little things like that you could um, you could go around your house and open drawers and do things like that um, but it's just this is it's just so much to it, and it's just amazing to see that kind of thing in the game. I mean, loads of people got turned off for it because they call it like a real life simulator. But I think they're sort of missing the po- the point of what Shemu is. Yeah. But it's a game I've played 
again at least once every year or every two years ever since it came out back then and again it's, you know 14 years ago we're talking now and it's just because it's such a pleasure to play and we just get absorbed and wrapped up in the world of it and it's just something I know for a fact I'd love to have with me if I was stranded <laughs> a, I was going to say it is a good kind of game if you get that absorbed in it and and you enjoy it so much when you get absorbed in it it can it can make you forget you're on a desert island and it can take your mind off it yeah exactly I mean ne- never mind about never mind about the like boiling hot sun or the fact that I'm like <laughs> dehydrated into death I mean who cares I've got Shenmue man <laughs> exactly what else matters exactly yeah he seems to be wearing the same outfit as um, Conrad from Flashback <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the brown jacket and yeah. all that. But one uh, interesting fact, just a little bit of, again, I love learning about game development history and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Shenmue actually started out as a virtual fighter RPG, and the main the main character is modelled after Akira from Virtual Fighters. You can probably see the yeah. similarities. Yeah, looks very virtual fighter. He does. Yeah. Um, Obviously, again, it started out as a virtual fighter RPG and all that. But and one of the interesting things with Shenmue is that um, to to most the bane of most gameplays these days because it's overused. Shenmue, I I don't quote me on this, but I think it was the first game to introduce quick time events, or at least uh, in the mainstream that I know of, anyway. Um, you'd have like cutscenes happening where an enemy would come up to you, like, uh, and it was predetermined, um, and you have to react on screen, otherwise you get hit or that kind of thing. All right, yeah. Um, but then there were other fights where it was fully 3D roaming, and the game engine was literally based off a of Virtual Fighter. So your main character fought similar to the way Akira does and all that, and you meet other people and fight them, and they have the fighting styles of the other Virtual Fighter characters. So it's it's amazing to see how it's all sort of tied in together from the early days of it being created and to what it became in the end. Yeah, absolutely awesome game. I must get a Dreamcast. I've always wanted a Dreamcast. It's, I wonder how well. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of great games on there. It's, it's, it's a really great, and very underrated system, unfortunately. Yeah. There was a lot of rumours, but it is just rumours and hope of uh, Dreamcast 2, but uh, I don't think it will ever happen. Uh, I would love Sega to come back to the hardware business, Yeah. but it's never going to happen. No. Um, the, the funding, and to be honest with you, there's just no point. But you're, rather than the hardware, I, I'd rather just see Sega pull this thumb out and actually get back to what made them so special in the first place but yeah. it'll, ne- it'll never happen because the people that made Sega what it was in the 90s don't it, it, they're not there anymore so yeah right uh, I won't move on to the next game unless you've got anything else you want to say before we move on um, yeah go listen to the theme song prepare yourself <laughs> for awesomeness and buy a Dreamcast uh, and also if you Twitter harass you Suzuki into making Shenmue 3 yeah. I wish I had a system where I could pull up screenshots and and um, theme tunes while we're doing this. It would make it so much better. That's maybe, maybe something for the future. Post-production. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know, the, when I upload to YouTube, I could do all these things, but then it would be about two weeks after the actual show before it would actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, I made a, a video on over the weekend and it was only five minutes long but it took me about 12 hours <laughs> so, it, it, 
I've again with, with the whole uh, game hunting thing me and Mark have started doing. I've I've never really done video editing before. I'm I'm still very 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 basic at it, but I can see how long and how much effort it does take. But it's really enjoyable, and you, I realise that it's a labour of love for many people. Yeah, my mains are mains are very low production compared to people like Sixteen Bit Brothers, but low production or not, it's still a hell of a lot of work and love goes into them. At the end of the day, I, to be honest with you, at least, at least in my opinion, I don't care if if you have like amazing production values, like Game Sack. If you, you ever heard of that show? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, you can have them. The the production values on this show is phenomenal. Absolutely love them. But you can have production values like that, or you can be a dude with a crappy web camera. As long as like your genuine passion and excitement and happiness comes through, that is what matters to me when I watch stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, Dave, you know, one boy's post, he's said yeah. the same in the past. Um, his his videos are very low production. They points his camera to television and things like that. But that's a great example of why it doesn't matter because he's got such a great channel. And it's I don't care about production. A lot of people are quite snobby, like oh, it's not HD and it's not this and it's not that. I don't care as long as it's engaging. Yeah, that's exactly what matters. Like. One of the things that I was speaking with Mark about, funny enough, because you know, we talk outside of, obviously, the game chasing thing, it's like, I know we get a bit off topic, but who cares? <laughs> like, so many people seem to be, um, especially YouTube, they, there's, let, there's so many Let's Plays or game reviews and all that. Um, it's great and all that, but if there's no personality or anything to hook me in them, then I may as well just play the game myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's something I have to work on, because... When I go on and do my commentaries, I, uh, I'm not very confident, so I might sometimes come across as if I've not got much of a personality, but it's nothing to do with a personality, it's just that I'm very low on confidence. I, well, I enjoyed your... It, I, I might be getting confused, but I'm pretty sure. Was it you that did a Vice City gameplay with commentary? Um, I've, I've done one, um, but I don't know if it is the one you've watched. Oh, I'm sure... Uh, Oh, okay. I know Harry, I know that Harry Yak's done one, but uh, he done a live stream last year. Uh, I've, I've yeah, I've certainly done a very city one. Was it recently? I can't quite remember. But I can't. I can't remember. This is so bloody many people to keep up with. <laughs> I've done. I've done lots of Grand Theft Autos, so it may well have been. <laughs> yeah, well, I enjoyed them anyway, so that's a compliment. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> but when I first started on YouTube, I mean, I've had it for about. It'll be two years in May, but I only started really getting into it last year in the summer. And up until maybe about September, I didn't even talk on them. Yeah, well, again, it's like with, you know, with uh, my very early videos with, like, the Resident Evil ones and all that, um, I sort of talk in them, but it's very robotic, it's very scripted, because, yeah. I again, I, I it's, it's really difficult to know how to come across, because if you, if you enjoy, if you be too natural, then you can be very... Uh, should we say unprofessional and maybe yes. you're not focus driven on the points and all that yeah. but then if you're too scripted you're just a robot it's, exactly. it's, it's hard to find the middle ground isn't it yeah because I've, I've started getting some facts about the game and doing the facts at the start but as you say it is quite robotic but then when I try and get to easy going with it like the Wally or whatever way you want to put it it just comes across very unprofessional so 
again, that's, that's, yeah. that's what I like with um, with this chat tonight. I mean, it's easy to be, oh, yes, I want to pick this game because of X, Y, Z. But I just love... I, I mean, these games, I chose them because I know so much about them, whether yeah. it's development or what. Or, you know, I know so much behind the game as well, which I just love to share with people because so many people... One of my favourite things is to learn facts about my favourite things. Like, again, Michael Jackson doing Sonic 3, for example. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure if many people who may, may play these games and not know about, say, Shenmue started off as a virtual fighter RPG or never knew it was on the Saturn and that kind of thing. It's just, I think, it's nice to open those doors for them so they can discover it for themselves yeah. and then they can find more re- more information about something they love. You know what I mean? It's, it's This is sort of like a, a tool, if you will, for me to be able to help people with that. Well, and as well as that, it makes my job easier as well because I hold my hand up and say I'm not the most knowledgeable person on games. Um, I, I love retro gaming, but I only love what I know. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I mean, there's probably tons you know about. Say, was it like the Spectrum, Commodore, yeah. and all that, that and Amiga? That to me, it would just be like, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, I could, I could start talking to you about Dave the Tentacle. Um, I should have that. <laughs> oh, you have? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I think it's something you might not have heard of. Oh, um, Henry's House. Nope, no idea. <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> so I could start talking about all those games and I could rattle off facts about them at a click of a finger, but when it's gay, you, only, you only know what you know. And, yeah. Um, unfortunately, most weeks when someone goes on here, it's games like, oh, no, I don't know these games, but... Well, that's great, and uh, it's it's great that you talk so passionately about them because it, it helps educate me on the game as well, and it's my job easier because I, if I if I don't know the game, it's better that you talk about it. So yeah, yeah, on. it's again, it's it's like you know, and I appreciate the fact you recognise the passion of it. It's, oh yeah, it's just I. It's hard. It's, it's very hard to explain to some people because some people can look at it and think, "Wow, that's you're so obsessive. Wow, weird." But it's not. It's not. I don't obsess over it. It's just it's like you know, like your favorite movie or your favorite book or your favorite band. Yeah. You you love the music so much. You want to learn about the people behind it, what they do, why they did it. Yeah. You want to hear about how the your yeah. favorite songs came to be. It's to me, it's the same principle. Exactly. You know? yeah. I mean, I know I've, I know probably everything there is to know about ACDC. So I feel just, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, but it's something that you're so passionate about. Yeah, but yeah. it's again, it's it's not you know it's it's because this is something that's important to me as well. Like I said, you know I, you know it's it's not a history lesson about my life or any sort of sob story. But I grew up <laughs> very sh- you know I grew up very sheltered. You know yeah. not you know not very very few friends. When I was a kid, like maybe two with that. Um, so obviously most of my growing up involved playing video games is sort of my escape, if you will, or just my crutch. You know, it's just something I enjoy doing. Yeah. So obviously you know it, it's just a such an important part of my life as it is with many people, you know. And then when I when I was with friends, well, our part some of the best times of my life would be when we would be sitting next to each other playing a game together on the same TV, which we'll be getting into in another game coming up shortly. <laughs> Talking of which, we better get on with these because um, we can be here on it. <laughs> yeah. The next game, not that it's a bad thing. No, uh, not at all. Uh, but the next game on the list is doesn't need too much introduction. I don't think it's uh, quite a big game. Uh, it goes by the name of Streets of Rage on a Sega Mega Drive. Now this yeah. one, obviously, I'd like to tell people it's a big game. It came out in 1991. Now I'm interested 
as to why you picked Streets of Rage, uh, because a lot of people have would prefer Streets of Rage two. Um, again, Streets of Rage two is a better game in mechanics and all that. But I, when I grew up and when I was playing like Mega Drive as a kid, I only ever played Streets of Rage one. I didn't even know there was a number two when I was a kid, so that's why I went with the first one personally. That's the one you grew up on. Yeah, I. Again, I, I didn't even know there was a Streets of Rage 2 until, you know, when emulation came around, you know, like in the mid-2000s and that kind of thing, so... So tell me, your, tell me your memories about this game and why you love it so much and why you would take it on a desert island. Oh, God, where do I get this from <laughs> as well? Uh, some of my earliest memories of playing this game has always been uh, with my uncle. He's only a few years older than me, you know, he's, you know, late coming the world if you will but we our relationship growing up we were more like brothers than we were uncle and nephew if you will yeah and many of my met you know i'd always be going over to his house and we'd always be playing sega together and i read distinctly remember i think it was mega games 2 i think that had streets of rage golden axe and alien storm or it was like too yeah i'm pretty sure you're right about that i think it was too it's it's one it's one of them, but um, you know we always used to spend so much of our time trying to complete the game together, and we'd always be the same characters, and it's just you know I I'll get into the game itself shortly, but like sort of the thing the it's the memories around it which also sort of cemented being a really important and favourite title of mine that I take with me, yeah. but in the game context now, um, again just like with everything else, music. This music, you know, everyone knows the music, the Streets of Rage, and how damn good it is. Mm. Indeed. I mean, just you know, how do I even begin? Like the, the moment uh, the opening credits start with the uh, the text explaining about how the city's, you know, fallen to a new government, um, sorry, uh, criminal organization, and all that kind of thing. It's just so atmospheric, and then when you hit that first level with the really thumping tune, bass tune that kicks in, and it's just oh god, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think music and video games back in the days, even though they're not as bland, I think they're still better than music back in the day. Oh yeah, definitely. And it, it it just just again because I'm such a bloody encyclopedia freak, if you will. <laughs> um, I'm trying I'm trying to think of the name of the composer. Is it Yuzo Koshiro? Can you can you Google that? I will Google it as you. Talk a bit more about the game. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Yuzo Koshiro. I, th- I think that's his name, but um, if that's not his name, whatever. Um, but basically, he actually didn't use Sega's owned uh, sound libraries for the game. He actually programmed and made his own ones, which is why the quality of the music is so much better than many other Mega Drive games. It's a nice interesting fact of you. Maybe they should have used him for other games. <laughs> um, he also did Revenge of Shinobi's music as well, I believe. Composer was Yuzo Kashiri. Kashiro, yes, yeah. you were right enough, yeah. There we go, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, there was that aspect, but then um, the graphics were also fantastic at the time. They, they, you know, again, they, they're nothing truly phenomenal when you compare it to the sequels or anything. But I just love <clears throat> every stage had this uh, own distinct look and that kind of thing. And <clears throat> one of the most uh, things that always sticks out to me is... Um, Oh God! What do I call them? The thugs, if you will. During the first level, they um they'd have the denim, uh denim jeans and the denim vest. Yeah. 
with the ginger hair, and the first thing that always pops into my head is Vivian of the Young Ones. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say ginger hair or the Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if if you've read Adrian Edmondson and Rick Mail, the guys behind Bartham, they were in uh, a show called The Young, a comedy show called The Young Ones before yeah, that. And I love it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and literally every time I'm punching them in Streets of Rage, I just always imagine beating Vivian up all the time. It's just, it's, it's just <laughs> like, I imagine if anyone's, you know, those British and remember the comedy, every next time they play the game, I'm sure they'll think, oh, yeah, it is Vivian, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I love the young ones, Vivian, brilliant character. <laughs> but, um, again, the reason I just take it with me is because it's a... You know, this is a game I've played since, like, what, 1994, 95? You know, we're talking, like, 20 years here. Yeah. And I still go through the game and still love playing it just as much as I did then. This, It's just, um, at least for me personally when I say this, the game just feels so well-balanced. Um, I know the moveset is quite limited compared to the sequels and that kind of thing, but I, I also prefer the simplicity as well sometimes, if that makes yeah. sense. yeah. It's, it's simple, straightforward, beat them up, side-scrolling action, you know, and just, it's always fun picking up weapons and, you know, smashing a glass bottle over someone's head and, it, you know, it sounds quite, I sound quite sadistic, really, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I like my games. <laughs> <laughs> but one of my favourite memories, uh, which I'm sure many people who've played the game will relate to, is the level where um you're on an elevator... Uh, it's, it's the level before last it is you're going up on an elevator on a cyber building and one of my favourite things would be is to grab one of the thugs and throw them straight off so they fall like you know 30 stories to their death it's fantastic oh, class. Like, it does feel quite satisfying <laughs> oh yeah definitely <laughs> but you know it's, it's it's just one of them games it's, again like with everything for me it just seems to be the perfect blend of simplicity yet fun uh, great music as well, and I think with this game mainly it is a lot about the um, the memories surrounding it because I had again some of the best times I've ever had growing up was when I was playing cooperative, working through the game to get to the end, and um, yeah, actually no, I I don't know whether to spoil the end. I mean, it's been twenty years. I'm sure most oh. people have probably played it by now, haven't they? No, no, go for it. I think I think if anybody that's going. To played it, we've played it by now, so... <laughs> yeah, well, I love I loved the um, fact that when you get to the end, you finally meet up with Mr. X, who's, you know, the big boss, if you will. He gives you the option to join him and become his right-hand man, and I always thought, oh, that's quite cool. And uh, if you play two-player, one, one person says yes to join him and one person says no, then he'll actually say for you to kill the other player to prove your loyalty to join him, and it's just, you know, little things like that are quite cool, and... You, you know, when you think back to the time, and then you were, you know, you, you're working cooperative, uh, cooperatively throughout the whole game. All of a sudden, to turn your back on your friend to join the bad guy, and then you beat him and kill him. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, yeah, it's just like it's just like the ultimate bittersweet ending, isn't it? Yeah, it's, that's quite bizarre, really, um, quite a bit clever. No, it's a good way of doing it. Or, of course, you know, you can be, both be good cops and work together to beat him and overthrow his criminal organisation. Yawn. <laughs> I'm, just one, I'm just wondering, um, oh, this is going to be way off topic, but I'm just wondering, have you played Grand Theft Auto Five? Yeah, of course yeah. I have. Bloody hell, who has Well, no, not, not everybody's in, into it, but I'm just wondering if Grand Theft Auto Five has ripped that off. Because the ending missions in Grand Theft Auto Five have got a bit of backstabbing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a it's it's got a quite interesting choice, but yeah. but it does have the cop out card as well. 
which I took. Yeah, <laughs> so did I. I. I literally, I couldn't choose any of the others. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but no. I, I, I just couldn't do it. But without, without spoiling it, because it is quite, still a quite recent game, um, the particular character that you could have betrayed, so we say, and there's no way, there's no way I could have called this character because he's the best video game character creation in many years, <laughs> in my opinion. I think we're going to need a lot of post post processing on this, of bleeping everything out because it's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm just looking at it at it now. Getting back to Streets of Rage, obviously. Um, it came out as you say, the Mega Drive is is your choice, isn't it? It's also come out for the Game Gear, Sega Master yeah. System. Um, that was the only kind of original ones back in the day, as it was Sega, obviously. But latterly, it's come out obviously in the usual suspects and like so the Wii Virtual Console, Windows. Yeah, um, yeah, like I, I actually picked up a copy of Streets of Rage on the Master System a long ago. It's in one of the game chasing videos I uploaded. Um, yes. And I can honestly say that it's an amazing port for 8-bit. It's very faith, uh, very faithful and I've actually played through it recently with all three characters and it's a lot of fun. It's, it holds up really well to the Mega Drive version. <laughs> how, long, how long would it take you as a veteran of the game to to do the game from start to finish? Um, I'm trying to think because the way it works is you have to clear the screen and then you obviously get to move to the next screen with a time limit but I would probably say about 40-45 minutes because that's probably about the length of the game. It's quite a quick game really when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it all it all it all goes back to what Sega's style was and what the nineties were. Yeah. I mean, these days it's all story driven games, but even today they they're over qu- very quickly for what they are. Yeah. But back then it was about more sort of medium to higher difficulty and short bursts of fun. Because um, Harry Ack was um, done a impromptu stream live stream on Friday night, and uh, I can't remember if it was. Streets of Rage 1 or 2, I think it was the second one he was playing, and he played through that, and I think it was under an hour anyway as well, so... Yeah, they're, they're not long games uh, once you get to grips with them, but then, I mean, as a veteran of them now, after playing them so long, for me, I've, I've learned the patterns, even though they're not that difficult anyway, but I've learned the patterns, I've sort of got little quirks if you will I, I know how the game works now but as a kid you know it, it used to take quite a while and it would feel like ages and I'd always get beaten you know later in the game so it always had the sort of challenge factor of me wanting to come back to it all the time it is something so I think that uh, for me anyway for, for those type of games like Sega's arcade style stuff in the 16-bit era what I loved was that it's so fun to keep playing over and over and you know, I just had this perfect mix of frustration where like say you know you get fun get beaten you'd knock it off in a mood but then you know <laughs> you'd be like actually it won't take me long to get me to get back to where i was i'm going to give it another go yeah again it, it all it all harkens back to me saying it's like you know the game isn't like having a relationship now you know you can play an hour and if if you if you really are good at it you could beat it within you know 30 minutes if you will yeah rather than to spend six hours of your life <laughs> I think yeah, I think a lot of games could learn from that these days. To be honest, yeah. yeah. Uh, just getting back, cause getting back to what we were saying earlier on, it's it's hard to invest a lot of time in a game. So a game like that, that'd be pretty cool just to get it done fairly, fairly quickly and move on. 
Yeah, yeah, and again, it's a great series, and I just, again, the memories, and it's just a fun game. I mean, I, I could always, just I could always ask, like, the monkeys in the jungle on a desert island or whatever to sit to, like, join me for a co-op or whatever. <laughs> that could be your mission on a desert island, to train up the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> you could even get them, tra- train them up and uh, building a boat to, to escape. Uh, to be honest with you, if I could have all my favourite games on a desert island, why would I want to go back to work and do all that kind of nonsense like I could sit in the sun all day drinking coconut milk? And <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been toying with the idea of um, adding some extra bits into this um, in the future in desert island games. I know try to stick to the original format, of course, of the, of the show that I'm ripping off, but I was thinking about adding some extra bits in. You just reminded me there, but you said you'd be happy... If you've got your games and you've got your coconut, whatever, you'd be happy. But one of the things I was going to um, bring in, in later episodes was um, if you had, if you could bring a dead celebrity back to life to join you in the island. Because something like this came up on the Retro Online stream one night. It was what I think they were talking about um, Bob Marley. Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? However it was, which one would you bring back to life? And it kind of gave me an idea. If you could bring somebody back to life to join you on island, who would it be? Oh my god, that is a very <laughs> difficult question. Um, okay, here's the trick question. Um, if they were to come back to life and join me there, would they have all the previous memories of their life up until the point they died when they joined me? Of course, yeah. Uh, okay, so I can't have someone like Hitler then. <laughs> <laughs> so you would, you would like to bring Hitler back, but only up until a point then? To a point, a point in Hitler's life. Is that what you mean? No, I wouldn't want him anyway. It's just a really, really bad attempt at dark humour. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's, that's a really difficult one. But yeah, just just you know, when you're talking about say, um, you're talking about how you wanted to like add extra ideas, and I know we're off topic, but it's fine. We'll go back in a moment. Uh, I think it was Tchaikovsky that said, a famous composer. He said, "Is um." Good composers borrow ideas, great composers steal them. <laughs> so, yes, very true. Oh, no, don't worry, you don't have to answer it. It's just I'm just throwing it out there. There's something I might introduce in future episodes. Yeah, that's yeah, a good system. Get more interesting. <laughs> it's definitely an interesting idea, that's for sure. I think I, for me, be, being a you know dark humor side and silliness, um, all seriousness with me being a musician. Uh, quotation marks uh, Randy uh, Randy Rhodes the guitar player for Ozzy Osbourne who's done crazy training and all that I'd like to get him next to me I think uh, see that's a whole different debate isn't it that's like um, who would like to have around your dinner table yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing I literally just thought about as well when you said that, oh, I'd be happy if I had all my games I'd be happy to be on there but then I thought Surely you wouldn't be happy because you would need you need somebody else of the opposite sex to be on there with you as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So maybe that's another question I could. Well, you know, later like, dates. <laughs> like Bob Marley says, mate, no woman, no cry. <laughs> that's true. And then again, talking, talking uh, from somebody that's been married for ten years, uh, having a woman on the island with you would be okay for a couple of weeks, but then it would soon wear on you. <laughs> yeah, just. No, 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 let's 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 change topic really quickly before yes. this goes. <laughs> yeah. Got to dig a hole for myself. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's okay. My wife, my wife doesn't listen to this. To this, I think. Um, yeah, I think we'll move on to the next one. Uh, game number six, I think it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, this 
it's quite intriguing because um, this is not something I could find on Wikipedia because and there's a, and there's a reason for that uh, because it's based on Doom, a game I absolutely love, but it's not Doom as we know it. It's a game or a mod called Brutal Doom. Yep. Yeah, it released in 2010 by a guy called Sergeant Mark Four Roman numerals. <laughs> yep. Um, I think this is a unique one, like you said, because um, every other one is just like a particular solid game. It's like, oh yeah, I just want to take, you know, Sonic, blah, 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 blah. Whereas this is, is, is a game, but it's it's basically a mod, so I think it's quite a unique uh, spin, if you will. But, um, I do, again, this is amazing. As we as everyone knows, you know, I don't need to repeat what, you know, a million other people have said. Doom, one of, one of the most influential, greatest first-person shooters of all time. Absolutely amazing. But this mod literally takes it and makes it a million times better and I can't, I'm not even making that figure up literally I would say it take, makes it a million times more enjoyable um, <clears throat> it's very again it's, it's it's really dark when I say this but basically every weapon has been redone and all, all the monsters have been redone and the whole gameplay mechanics have been redone so for example now weapons have a lot more power and weight terms. So say you get a shotgun and you shoot, say, an imp in the leg, his leg will blow off and he'll start hopping around screaming and he'll fall to the floor bleeding out, crawling in, in pain. And, and again, it sounds really, really sadistic and twisted, but <laughs> it's really, really enjoyable and pleasurable to play, as crazy as it sounds. As long as you don't, as, as long as you don't take that sadistic... Um, side of you into the real world and it's not a problem oh, yeah of course you know. I'm, you know every day I wish I could grab a shotgun and go into work and you know do the same thing but that's another topic yeah. <laughs> but no again you know it, it's funny because um, just a little plug for Chris Shank when he done his retro uh, Renaissance podcast with Carl before uh, the first episode they were talking about video game violence and that kind of thing and that's right yeah. you know the, if, my argument has always been like when I did a video response to Carl about it is uh, at the end of the day it's easy to differentiate reality in a video game just because I find it enjoyable shooting you know monsters and take great pleasure in it doesn't mean I actually want to do it in real life because yeah. it's I do, it's hard to explain, but let's face it, anyone with a normal, sane working brain wouldn't find that appealing in reality, would they? Yeah. I, I, I think I said this. I, I replied to Carol on that, but I didn't do a video response. But I, I think I typed in something like... I mean, it's obviously up to the, to the parent, what yeah. they, the way they bring their child up. But, I mean, personally, I get brought up in horror films. Yeah. Uh, I, in 18-rated in horror films. My mum and dad always... Educated me that it's not real. Uh, you wouldn't. This wouldn't happen in real life. So, I mean, as long as it's done properly. Yeah. I I was. I didn't have horror films, but like for example, um, I was like, oops, give me. I was um eight or nine years old when Rise of Evil One came out or whatever, and I remember playing it on the PlayStation back. You know, literally when I was eight or nine, and it scared the hell out of me, like literally. But my parents next to me, and you know. It's, it was it was a game my mother played mainly. She you know she was into that type of thing, and um, me watching some parts of it just got me curious. And being a kid who loved video games, I wanted to give it a try myself, didn't I? Yeah, and um, it scared the absolute crap out of me. No, I know they're not real and all that. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, it just it didn't affect me in any slightest. I, I have no damage from it. I have no murderous tendencies or any psychotic streak in me. At least I don't think so. Yeah. But again, I, I again, I'm sort of divulging off topic, but it's still relatable to the, the whole brutal doom because again, when original doom came out, you know, there was the whole oh, this is satanic and violent, and kids are gonna shoot each other and all that nonsense. But yeah. like. Again, um, back on the topic of Brutal Doom, though. Um, Doom, amazing game, everyone already knows about it, blah, 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 blah. But this mod just adds so much to it. It, it modernises it, if you will. Like, uh, weapons have iron sights, you can aim down the sight to them and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think the most awesome feature is just there's a... It just added, the monsters are tweaked to be more aggressive and violent. You, the weapons just do have more. It's like location specific damage. Like I said, you can shoot like one of the zombie soldiers in the leg, and he'll crawl around screaming, or you can blow his arm off, or you know you can shoot them in the head and it explodes and that kind of thing. And it's 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 it, again, it's really really violent, but it's because of the way the Doom is, you know, the you know like the pink demon monsters and stuff. It's almost it's almost comedic, if you will. Yeah. I mean, again, like you know, people are like, oh my god, it's so violent and horrific and gory. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wimp when it comes to that. I can watch The Walking Dead and see someone's throat being torn out by a zombie, no problem, or even wince. But I see someone's arm cut open in real, and I know it's real life. That's it. I'm gone. Yeah. I can't, can't even look at it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, yeah. It's, it's that literal subconscious understanding that one is real and one isn't. Like. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing I would say about The Walking Dead is um, don't make the same mistake as I did and uh, watch it while eating our own sausage with tomato sauce on it. Oh, no. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. Like, I, I'm cool with stuff like that. But because, it, again, it's fake. Whereas if I was watching a documentary and some dude's in hospital having surgery and his legs being taught, cut open, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't eat. It's, again, I, it's... Even though what you've seen on screen is the same thing, because it, because you know one is real and one isn't, it just yeah. for me, I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's normal. I'm, I'm looking at a, an absolutely awesome screenshot from Brutal Doom that I just found while we were talking there, and it's it's got you know, you know the way in Doom you can see the guy's hand like if he's not got a weapon you can just see the hand whatever. But yeah. The screenshot of the guy's hand and he's just holding up the middle finger. Yeah, yeah. To, just, to this imp that he's just shot. <laughs> Yeah, you could you you could do that. Um, you could do gestures to like uh, intimidate the enemies, and he says like you know go f yourself and whatever. Um, but it also has like um other melee stuff like kicking, you know, for from Duke Nukem. But obviously with this one, you can like jump in the air and kick, and if you hit them in the head, the head goes flying off and that kind of thing. It's it's so over the top. But yeah. again, the only way to truly do it justice is to watch a vid- uh, gameplay video of it because it's amazing and. Again, the reason I take this on an island with me is, is simply because Doom is such a classic game. Um, but this mod adds so much... It just makes it more fun. The weapons feel right, if that makes sense. Like There's, yeah. some, there's some games you play and the weapons don't have any weight to them. They just feel... I, I, it's hard to explain, but I'm sure people that play FPS know what I'm saying. Like it's just like some some weapons feel like you just shoot in air rather than anything. There's no weight or, yeah. or power to them. But it, it, obviously that makes it enjoyable. But Doom in itself, the levels, the lighting, everything—it's—it's yeah. it's Doom. You can tell it looks a bit different though, because the imp looks different on this yeah. screenshot. Yeah, they they redid some of the sprites, and obviously with with new animations and 
um, artificial intelligence things and all that. Obviously, they had to tweak it, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take that on an island with me. Um, the only question I have is, does the island have wireless internet so I could play it online with people? <laughs> uh, no, because um, this is a difficult one. Uh, it's not really... We, we kind of brush over these issues, but the whole point of it is, if I'm going to stick to the format, is that you're not supposed to have communication with the outside world. Oh, that's, 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 it's, it's kind of... But I'm always open to mending the rules because it makes what it makes your earlier game choice redundant. Uh, I forget any of already the online one that you mentioned earlier. Um, oh no, it doesn't yeah. really because again, like I said, I I can actually sit and play Fancy Star online. Fancy Star, off, <laughs> I can play it online offline yeah. for hours and still get the exact same enjoyment from it. So doing yeah. so it doesn't bother me. But no, like, I was just wondering in general with that. But yeah, like, the, even the single player and everything, it's, yeah. it's just phenomenal fun. And best of all, you know, I could always, you know, pack up a couple of uh, WOD files with, like, millions of levels on them so I'd never get bored. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just a bit of fun, really. It's not, it's not like, set in stone that you can't do this, you can't do that. But if, <laughs> yeah. if, if, we're, play, if we're playing the game and I'm sitting to the, as close to the format as possible, I believe that you're not allowed communication without the world. So... But anyway, I don't care. <laughs> well, yeah, that sounds wrong. You know what I mean? I don't. If, if I don't care, um, if I need to bend the rules, is what I mean to say. <laughs> oh no, no, of course. I, I was just, I was just curious. Out of sheer curiosity, anyway, it's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did I manage to miss brutal doom? It looks awesome. It, it it truly is honestly it's it's like one of the biggest mods that has come out like ever just about it's phenomenal and I found it by complete accident and it's sitting right on my desktop in a folder because like, I play it all the time. Yeah, apparently you can. Apparently it does work for Doom and Doom Two. Yeah, it works. It works for them all, even the Pluto, uh, like Final Doom and yeah. all that as well. I think I was talking a bit about Doom last week. Was it last week? See, when you get older, your memory gets better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you when I get there. Oh, it was... Um, how can I forget? 90s video game did... Yep. But I think uh, 90s video game did. Rich picked uh, Doom. Let's just screw them my list. I'm sure it did. Super Street Fighter, Tetris. Yes, he did. Funnily enough, he picked Doom in his number six position as well. That's weird. Again, for, <laughs> for me, I I wouldn't pick the original Doom. It has to be Brutal Doom because it just, again, for me, it, it makes the game just phenomenal, like a whole new level of awesomeness. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if it's okay with yourself, I think we'll move on to the second last game. Yep, yep no problem. Uh, another one that uh, doesn't need much introduction that's an absolute classic, GoldenEye. 007 for the N64. Yep. Uh, obviously a first-person shooter, which was released in 1997. Was this was this a launch title for the N64? I can't quite remember. No, it wasn't a launch title. I, I believe it came out about a year or so after, uh-huh. give or take. So, did you have an N64 back in the day, or is this something you've played later? Um, I had an N64 back in the day, but I, I was a late adopter. I didn't get one until maybe 19... 19- about middle to late 1998, give or take. So, you know, by the time Saturn was sort of pretty much dead is when I picked one up because mainly Ocarina of Time. Wow. <laughs> We're getting, but, you know, that's, that's, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. So, why would you say this one or Desert Island? Same question again. Right. 
this, as a kid, I spent so much time playing this game for many different reasons. Now, as everyone knows, there's, there's tons upon tons of levels. They're filled with great and fun objectives. But I just love that. I love the enemy AI is one of the things I used to love just playing about with. Like, uh, when I was talking about Brutal Doom, about how um, enemies had unique uh, head reactions. Like, if you shoot them in the foot, you know, they jump. Or if you shoot them up the butt, they jump in the air, surprise. You shoot them in the leg, you know, they drag their leg, that kind of thing. And it, at the time, that just blew my mind as well as the graphics and everything. But, um,. I think the reason I chose Goldeneye mainly, I mean, again, like with everything else, with, with Doom, there's not much I can say that hasn't been said before. It's an amazing game. Everyone has played it and knows about it. But um, I used to do really imaginative things with it as a kid. Now, I used to put the invisibility cheat on, along with, like, all weapons and unlimited ammo and all that. And I used to do things, like, I used to make these sort of scenarios up in my head where I was, like, the general of the base, uh, and I'd walk about talking to, like, the soldiers who were, like, on make, when they're patrolling and guarding and all that. But then I'd plant, like, mines in the corner of the, like, level where, like, uh, monitors and things are. And then I'd detonate them. And then I'd just have, like, play out this scenario of I was a general, the bad guy, being attacked by an outside force, if you will. <laughs> and it, it sounds crazy. It is a bit weird. But, you know, I was, like, eight. I think it was how old was I? 1997. Yeah, I was about eight, nine years old. You know, your imagination's going, and back then, you know, you're trying to get the most out of every game you had and stuff, so... You were eight years old, 1997? Yeah, I was born in, uh, 89. <laughs> what is that? 97, I was... 21. <laughs> wow, three yeah. times my age. <laughs> so, yeah, like, like I said, um... Um, it's part of that imagination that I, I'd like to take it with me on the island because it's a great game to play in its own right, you know, absolutely phenomenal. I know some people argue it hasn't aged well, but boo to them, whatever. Um, but, like, you know, I, I could I could still utilise, like, those cheats and mess about and just, you know, get so much hours of enjoyment out of a single level doing different things. Um and of course, like the reason it's one of my favourite games of all time as well is because obviously memory reasons. Um when I say like, you know, I didn't really have many friends if you will, my only real main one was my next neighbour when I used to live as a kid and we always used to go over his house on a Friday night. Uh we'd be playing Goldeneye multiplayer together, literally all night doing things. Um when I was saying about like you know using your imagination to to get the most out of the game, yeah. one of the one of the ideas I came up with, which turned out to be so much fun when we did it, was we turn the radar off in multiplayer, um, we choose a big level, and then one of us would look against the wall against one of the flat textures, so and um, we'd be playing hide and seek in Goldmine. <laughs> That's so funny. Again, you know, it's you know, we obviously we play deathmatch and mess about and do all the different kinds of things. But it's but back then when you're a kid, your parents aren't made of money. You know, you'd only get games at Christmas time, birthday, maybe one or two very rarely during the year. So obviously, I used to like try and get the absolute most I could out of my games by exploring every aspect of them and. Yeah doing different things and yes yeah, so like you you know um it, it's a good idea you know yeah. doing hide and seek uh, you know they've done the way you are you look at a flat texture and all that so yeah. <laughs> don't don't think i've done similar that, like making your own little games within a game was in grand theft auto san andreas i used to go on like a you'd go from the the very bottom right of the map because san andreas is a massive map bottom right yeah. of the map right up to the top 
left like on a road trip and you, you had to do certain things on the way you know things like that so yeah it's again it's, it's just like once you complete the main story of it and all that you know you've experienced most of it it's at least for me as a kid it's, you know it, i i kind of miss the sort of imaginative side where you'd come up with things to basically prolong the life of the game and you get finding a way to enjoy enjoy and enjoy the game like the way it was intended and that kind of thing it's just you know so like i said i take that with me simply because it it's a game like with all the cheats and all the levels, there's so much you can do and enjoy, if you will, and imagine if you still have your imagination. <laughs> anyway, still um, talking about Golden Eye, just briefly, very briefly. Um, that's actually one of my favourite board games. The first Pierce Brosnan film. Uh, agreed. It was. I it was one of my favourite movies of all time as well. Um, I'm a huge, 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 huge James Bond. Uh, James Bond. Uh, fan, yeah. I've got all like the, to- the old corgi toys from the sixties, like the Aston Martin yeah. and all that, it boxed in a way and all that nonsense. But I agree completely. Brosnan's best film is Goldeneye. Yeah. Anyway, I'm aware of I'm aware of time ticking down, so we, it's okay. We'll move on to the next game, the last game. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and it's a very scary game uh, that goes by the name of Resident Evil Two on the PlayStation, which came out in 1998. Uh, it's a survival horror game. Yep. Which I think, if my memory says me correctly, is that not what you were talking about last night on the Retro Renaissance podcast? Yeah. Was it last week? Yeah. Um, it, it, it did come up, yeah. Um, but this is probably one of my favourite games of all time. Again, with the list, this, you know, when I'm talking about the games I take, they're not in any particular order. I mean, I, the whole Knights and Sonic and Fantasy Star thing were in order because they all shared the same creators and game engine and it's just for the sake of consistency it was easier to talk about. But this game is literally one of my all-time favourites, I can say. Um, as you said, it was a spiral horror game that came out in 97. Um, interesting fact, uh, for those who don't know, I did bring it up on uh, the Retro Renaissance thing. But, and I also have a video on my channel. Um, this game got to about 70 or 80% completion when it was first being developed and then it got completely scrapped and then restarted again so there's actually a prototype Resident Evil 2 out there that's completely different to the final game um, which is dubbed Resident Evil 1.5 which you guys should YouTube and check it out absolutely awesome if, if you're a Resident Evil fan yeah. um, it's, it's literally just like having a whole new re- classic Resident Evil game there so do it but yeah this game um, as I said earlier, um, my you know my, I first played Resident Evil One when I was about eight or nine or whatever. When my mum, after my mum played it, and I actually completed it when I was a kid, um, which is crazy to think because like so many adults, you know, get stuck with the puzzles and that kind of thing. But um, I, the, the first game captured my imagination. I loved this hot. I loved the scariness of the story, the, all the plot twists and learning about a virus that did it and all that. And I just remember completing the game and just being absolutely amazed and when they finally announced the second one that was it just like you know head explode amazing um and it just improved in every way uh, you know from the first game i i it's really hard to explain i mean you know everyone has their own favorite for a reason but i think many people tend to universally agree especially if they played the classic games that resident evil 2 is it is tends to be like noted as the best one in the series um it is so much to do in it. Um, again, I take it on the desert island with me simply because it's one of my favourite games of all time. It's one I've played through countless times every year and I still always will. 
again, I just think it has the perfect balance, and the gameplay is fun and enjoyable. Yeah. Obviously, the story isn't quite as surprising anymore since you know mm, it inside out. But it's it's just still fun to play through. That's all. I mean, again, everyone already knows what they know about it. It's got amazing music. The graphics are fantastic for what they are. You know, the pre-rendered backgrounds and all that. Oh gosh, it's, again, I, I I'm not I'm not really sure what else there is to say about it. Let's face it, everyone knows what Resident Evil is. Of Here's a, an interesting thought, which I'll just thought of. Um, um, there's somebody done recently. Oh, I think it was um, Paul Bradley. It was either Paul Bradley or Richard Turner done our ten questions. Uh, I don't have any response to it over the weekend, but the second question was scary games or horror games, lights on or lights off. Now, here's a thought for you. Imagine playing this game on your desert island on your own at night time. Yeah, well, it won't bother me. Like, you know, like, as a kid, obviously, it creeped me out and all that. But these days, it's it's almost comical, isn't it, when you look at the graphics and the the voice acting and all that. But, again, at the time, yeah. But it takes a lot for me to get scared these days, unfortunately, with the advancement of technology and gaming and horror. (laughs) Yeah, I, f- I find um, I find horror horrors that really scare me back in the day, like films. That is, like, I, I watch them back now and I, I just find them funny more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, Dawn of the Dead is a good example of that. However, there is one particular scene that still scares me to half the dead. It just creeps me the hell out for whatever reason. What says? Um, the Harry Krishna zombie. Ooh. If you know. One I'm all about is the bald one, um, you know, with a little ponytail that just walk, wanders down the corridor and goes uh, to the storeroom where the blonde woman is. The way I don't know what it is about it, but it, it creeps the hell out of me for some reason, even now with it, to this day. Yeah, one of the scariest bits, films, bits in the film that I can remember, and this is going to be saying a bit weird, but in, uh, I think it was in Jaws 2, <laughs> believe it or not, um, when there's whoever it is is swimming. Deep sea, deep sea diving, whatever, and they're going into this old ship that's sunk, and the, the shark just comes out of nowhere unexpectedly. <laughs> <You're> like, oh. <laughs> I suppose really you should should have been expecting it. She knew it's a film about a shark and he was diving underwater, but still, I didn't expect it. <laughs> cheap, cheap, uh, cheap jump scares. Yeah. <laughs> Very similar thing I was saying to the guys last night was. Um, in Resident Evil 1, right at the beginning of the game, you run down the corridor and these two zombie dogs jump through the window and I lit up, oh my god, I remember diving into the PlayStation turning this off the moment it happened when I first played it, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't beat a good scare. Oh god. Yeah, we're actually great games, unless you want to yep. say anything else about Resident Evil. Um, to be honest with you, there's not too much to say. Again, um, everyone knows about Resident Evil 2, it's an amazing game. Um, with the different scenarios like if you played as Leon first and Claire second then you have a particular story but then if you play as Claire first and Leon second it swaps around um, the prototype is a really interesting topic If you, I, I can't stress enough if you guys are fans of classic Resident Evil do a YouTube and Google search of Resident Evil 1.5 because it's literally other than, other than Leon being in both games is literally a completely different game and it's it's amazing and you can actually find the, the prototype to download and play so cool. you know treat yourself <laughs> top tip <laughs> well, um, I guess that well, first of all those are some awesome choices of games and I'm sure you, you'd have a lot of fun with them on your island yeah I'm, I'm just 
uh, again, I just wanted to, even though I've got one or two typical ones, like, say, um, Sonic and uh, maybe Doom or Goldeneye or whatever, I wanted to try and keep the list a little bit more unique with some of the other titles, that's all. I'm sure you would say that you can't get enough of them. And that, oh, was, that, that that leads me to a little another clip of one of your tunes. Oh yeah, <laughs> by me. Yeah, by all means, free plug in. I actually feel like a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I was both on a way to that there. It's, is that the same singer? Yeah, yeah, same singer. Yeah. I do the backing vocals, you know. It's it's quite good how you can adapt to different styles. I mean, that's a completely different song from Highway to Hell, but it still sounds pretty cool. Yeah, well, they're all sort of classic rock, yes, aren't they? Yeah. But I, I, there's a track later which I think most people would be quite surprised to uh, hear. I'm sure you know which one that is as well. <laughs> yes. I hope I've uploaded it. Um, anyway, uh, we'll move on quickly to your... Well, before I do, uh, everybody gets a free subscription to Retro Gaming Magazine and the complete works of Steve Benway. So there you go, you have that to entertain yourself as well. But we'll move, yep. on to, <laughs> we'll move on to the book. And it's a games-related book, so that's pretty cool. It's the Sega Mega Drive Genesis Collected Works. Yeah, no, this... <laughs> It's a bit of a cheat, this one, because um, the project started out on uh, Kickstarter. Um, it was, you know, the it's literally like the entire history of the Mega Drive from its concept to the technical specifications and why they chose what they did. But then it also has like loads of articles about some of the best games. It's got interviews with the developers of the, from the 90s at the time of made them and that kind of thing. But the, the reason I cheated was is that it's actually not out yet. It's available for pre-order, though. Ah. Now... Um, why do I have so much faith in the book? Well, if if you guys check out the Kickstarter or even look it up on the internet, you'll see why. And um, with me being such an enormous Sega fan, it's 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 silly for me not to really. I mean, I know it's not exactly any, it's not exactly Shakespeare or anything, or you know, Fifty Shades of Grey for you ladies. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just something that's relative to my interest, you know. Can I can I um can I say what the runner-up book would have been? Even of course. Um, the, the runner-up I was going to choose is going to be World War Z by Max Brooks, which is an amazing book. Oh, <laughs> well. you know, I keep meaning to pick that up. I've, I, I keep seeing it in all who I don't know if you have got um, FOP in Wales. It's a it's a kind of independent record store, but it now it went it kind of went bankrupt and it was taken over by HMV. Anyway, uh, I keep seeing it in FOP uh, for like three pound. I keep meaning to pick it up. Yeah, I it's it's awesome. I mean, I've got the uh, audiobook version because with that I put it on my iPod for work, and it's like you know, it's like it's like eight to ten hours long, maybe longer. So it's great to listen to throughout the day. But um, <clears throat> with the, the way the book is structured, I, I mean, I know we're talking more about World War Z than the other one, but it's fine. Who cares? <laughs> um, the the way it's structured, it's like there's this guy who's basically interviewing survivors from the. Um, zombie apocalypse after they've managed to 
basically not lose all of humanity to them or whatever. And every character is like dramatically recorded by real actors, and it's it's just so authentic. And it, it when they're talking about what happens, you know, you get the images in your head and you imagine what it was like. And it's just a cool book. You should definitely give it a go, mate. Uh, and I definitely will. <laughs> In a shadow without. Yeah, but yeah, the, my 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 first main choice will definitely be the Mega Drive Genesis Collective Works because again, being a huge Sega fan that I am, to be able to learn more about you know one of my favourite systems of all time and learn about the developers, what they were thinking, how they came up with their ideas, and how to work against limitations and that kind of thing. It's just to me, it's just so interesting. Yeah. Well, if it's not out by the time you get stranded, we'll be sure to ship it out to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, since, you know, get, get like a plane to do the uh, cargo drop, like in Worms, we have the crate with a parachute attached. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, before we move on to your um, your luxury item, which is quite related to, and it's kind of why we're playing these music clips, which I'll explain in a minute, but I'll do one more of your songs um, before we get to the surprise song later, if okay. you don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, by all means. I was just um, closing my eyes and imagining myself in a in a bar or a club watching this <laughs> with a paint of beer in my hand. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> with, my, with my mates at my side. <laughs> just uh, an interesting fact for those of you actually listening. All these songs are actually recorded live as well. Yeah, which is, which is exactly why I could imagine being in a bar with a paint. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no... Um, no, uh, you know, multi-tracking studio magic here. It's literally all five of us plumped in a room, plugged in, mic'd up and gone. Cool stuff. So, on to your luxury item. And this is kind of why we're playing these clips of music, because um, when you told me your luxury item, um, which, by the way, is an acoustic guitar, Yep. I said, oh, why don't you give us a little number on the show? But then you explained to me you've not actually got an acoustic guitar. You would like yeah. to get one for your island. Yeah, the the simple reason is, I mean, you know, you, the skills are transferable. If you can play an electric or an acoustic, you can play vice versa. But the reason I, I'd say an acoustic is because I can't exactly plug my electric guitar into a palm tree to amplify it, so it'd have to be an acoustic, otherwise you'd never hear it. <laughs> Good point. You can get us uh, an that still wouldn't work. I was going to say you could get a semi-acoustic, but you still need to... <laughs> yeah, work. and I'd still... I mean, let's not go into the logistics and need an electricity. I mean, Christ, I'm playing games on an island. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I chose an acoustic simply because it's, it's just, you know, imagine like a nice sunset when you're on the de- on the beach of the desert island yeah. and you're just strumming some chords and being all romantic with your new monkey friend and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> and you could, you could write your album... Well, you went to be rescued. Yeah, yeah. Um, memoirs of a mem- memoirs of a castaway or something. Yeah. You could write a song called Monkey Love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's probably already a song called that. But it, actually, believe it or not, um, a band that you, from your neck of the woods, I'm sure, do one called Monkey Love. Um, go to Linton Chain. Oh God! Don't even. Uh, do, do you know? What, 
Let's not go down that road that, as far as I can see, they don't exist. <laughs> I love Go to Lunch Gym. It's a good one. Um, can, we can write a song called Monkey Business as well, you know, a bit of an innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's actually a Chuck Berry song called Too Much Monkey Business. Oh, well, there we go. So, it's a basic. Just in Doha, yeah. if it's all 98, we can still stay on, don't worry about that. There's basically, for people that don't know, you get a voice in your head. I can hear voices in my head telling you there's 90 seconds of the show left but we can carry on if need be so don't worry about that yeah well you know I, I just was wondering if you know I'm happy to talk a bit more if you want to you know yeah um, it's, it's fine for some reason it says that you've got two hours but um, you, you can't you, you can actually carry on as far as I'm aware Oh, fair enough. I thought I thought it stops after the uh, timer counts down. For those of you who are listening, you know, it's basically telling us we have like a minute left. No, well, well without going into it too much, because it's a, a mistake that I made um, <laughs> on Chris Shanks' show uh, when he won the Disneyland Games. Uh, I didn't click the end episode button because, <laughs> because I just assumed it ended. You did. Yeah. Uh, it turned out that we were still on there. And we're oh. talk, talking all loads of crap into <laughs> still on here. So, yeah, you can do it. Well, you know, again, I mean, it's just, you know, what else could I possibly take? I mean, I've got my my two biggest hobbies is video games and guitar, and I've got them both with me on a desert island. What more could I possibly want in life? <laughs> I could think of a couple of things, but yeah, that's, that's two of the main, <laughs> the main things. <laughs> Well, yeah, I could think of a few others as well, but unfortunately, we're not allowed to bring them as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, well, it says that the recording's over, but so I'm hoping we're still on air. I think we are. Um, if anybody is listening or can still hear us, if they could let me know that it's still on air, that would be great. Because I don't know. <laughs> anyway, if it's not, it's not. We covered. We, we just about covered everything anyway, but we just weren't quite finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so. Talking about your band, Rocket Dog, um, and acoustic guitars, do you do any acoustic numbers? Unfortunately, no. We are we have got some uh, in the pipeline. It's just it's a little bit awkward uh, because you've not got acoustic guitar. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I have access. I have access to one. It's just that you have to mic microphone it up. Otherwise, you know, you're never going to bloody hear the thing. And it's just it's a little bit more hassle than it needs to be at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I, I like. Um, like as as I mentioned to you uh, before the show, earlier I was talking about Chris Cornell and doing that cover version of Billy Jean Acoustic. I went and seen Chris, Chris Cornell live in Glasgow, and he done kind of middle of the show. He done a acoustic set in it, and uh, that was one of the songs he did. And I just I, I love acoustic songs like that, like little. I'll check it out on YouTube later, but. When it comes to acoustic stuff, I'm I'm a sucker for power ballads. I am like um, oh yeah, yeah. There's a band called Extreme, and they do a song called More Than Words. More Than Words, love it. Yeah, 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 like a perfect example of like an acoustic track I love. So yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, my my main thing is heavy rock, classic rock, heavy metal, but I do like chilling out to some nice acoustic songs as well. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna guilty pleasure if you like. Yeah. Um, Again, this is just, God, there's so much about it. I mean, another great acoustic uh, ballad uh, I like is Mr. Biggs. Uh, to be with you. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. Oh, it sounds as if you've got a very similar music taste to myself. Yeah, anything, <laughs> anything 80s in classic rock. Yeah. 
Um, what I was going to say was, um, do you know um, T Rex Space Station? He's a yeah, yeah. on one. He done a he put an acoustic song on his channel uh, the weekend. Uh, acoustic version of a big country tune. By the way, we're off the air. Someone just told me. Oh, damn it. Are we? Yeah, yeah. How did that work? Uh, uh, oh. I don't know how Retro Stephen could hear us that time we were stayed on air with Chris and Shank then. Eh, it doesn't matter. It's all good. We, it was good fun anyway. I appreciate you having me on. We covered most of it anyway, didn't we? Yeah, we we lit well. Yeah, we literally covered everything as far as I recall. We got all your items in. Yep, my games as well. Oh well, I suppose in that case, what I can do is, unfortunately, the the people of people out there listening won't get to hear it. But I'm going to listen to Mamma Mia. <laughs> yeah, go go for it. Fifty fifty seconds. I'm intrigued. Let's <laughs> go so listen. surprisingly good <laughs> yeah you'd, you'd, be, you'd, you'd really be surprised how uh, well it goes down um, we, we've done a lot of gigs for uh, bikers clubs like I've, I've, pl- I've played for Hells Angels the actual biker gang and all that and um, they, they're not that intimidating they're lovely guys honestly just don't mess just, just don't mess with them <laughs> oh, I've heard stories about that but uh, we won't go into it because I've just remembered something I've just thought oh. of something while that song was playing all is not lost because we might not be on air on Blog Talk Radio, but this is still recording, so oh. we can still get it. It will still come up on iTunes. Fantastic. When it goes to iTunes, I think, unless somebody, don't edit it. Sometimes it gets edited, but as long as it doesn't get edited, it should still go on iTunes, I think. The very worst case scenario is um, when we go to upload it on YouTube, we'll have it all, so... Yeah, yeah. it's you know, it's, it's, it's all good, it's all good, but it's just saying that with... Um, you know, we tried to like rock it up and have a bit of fun with it. Um, when we, I remember when we played at a biker gig and they came up to us like this. They're lovely guys. It's just they're intimidating. So you stand there with their arms folded, just staring at you because it's you know manly men in it. But they come up to come up to us and they said and they're just tapping us on the shoulder, saying, "Boys, I never thought I'd see see this before, but to see a band go from Motorhead to ABBA and pull it off so well with everyone enjoying, wow!" And I just, that to me was like the one part of the time where I kind of went. Yeah, we're definitely doing something right. <laughs> I don't suppose you just thought about going further afield and doing a little mini British tour? Uh, it's, the problem with doing that kind of thing is that you need to have uh, a fan base in the places you go into. Otherwise, you could end up playing in pubs and clubs where not you know people. You might have the regulars there, but then there might not be any more, if you will. Yeah. And, I do uh, like for me. I've always said uh, from day one is that I would um, I would uh, I would play 
big shows for free rather than play little shows for lots of money. Because like there's there's many times I've played I've played pubs, you know, and we still get paid our fifty quid individ each. That is as well, you know. So I get to play my guitar for two hours, and I still get paid for it. But say the pub is like empty of people, um, I just find that uncomfortable. I don't enjoy it. I'd much rather play to a completely packed pub and not be paid for it. Yeah, that's just you know, just me. Oh, it's gone all quiet. Oh, sorry, sorry, I was pressing the Z button. <laughs> there we go, there we go. <laughs> I do apologise. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying, but I mean, I've walked into pubs before, um, totally not even knowing there was a band on, and going in and seeing a band and that I've never heard in my life, and I've had such a great time. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're playing, playing cover versions. Yeah, again, we've um, many times uh, we've done some gigs, saying a pub has been very quiet, but then people are sure that you know, we're playing in there, they come in uh, and then they end up staying the whole night rather than moving on and they, they come up at the end and say, oh guys, you know, I, was only, I heard the music, I was only going to have a pint and go, but I stayed for the whole thing, so I loved it and I was just, you know, it's just, that's, that's, that's what I do it for, I don't care about anything else, it's just, I get to join my hobby and if it brings joy to other people through it, then yeah. so be it, you know, that, that's what it's about to me. I think what we'll need to do is um, organise a retro on limb night out in Pontypridd. Is that where, you're, where is it? You come from again, Wales? It's not um, is it? I come. I come from Neath. I do, Leith. but but it's it's all connected by the M4, so it's like thirty minutes drive. It's not far away. We'll organise a, a retro on on limb night down there. We can all go and see you. And so. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, Have a time. There's, there's a thought. Um, are you going to the uh, retro play thing in Blackpool, is it? Or whatever it's called? Uh, I would like to. I've not yet got a ticket. I don't know whether somebody at Retro Lim can organise a press ticket or not. But yeah, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to try. But at any... Sorry? The tickets are only £7 anyway, or £12 individually, oh. or something silly like that. Oh, are they? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, put it this way, at this moment in time, I've not got a ticket. But um, I would like to try and get one. Yeah, I, I, it's the same here. Like I, you know, I, I can buy the ticket tomorrow. It's just I need to like sort of plan the journey up there because to get from Black to get to Blackpool from here is like three different train uh, swaps and all that, and it's just like oh god. For me, it would just be a, a train down to Preston and then a, a train from Preston to Blackpool. Not too bad. But I think I don't care. Like even if it did take like six hours to get there, I think for what it is. To be able to have all like those retro games and arcade stuff there, to be able to buy and play, and then to meet up with all the other guys from Retro and Lim and go out for a pint and have a laugh in the evening after, it just it seems like a great idea to me personally. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely like to go. The, the only problem is nobody would know who I, who I am because I don't appear on camera. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a shoot. <laughs> I'm sure at the moment I hear your voice, be like, "Oh, there he is." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unmistakable. I'll, I'll just need to walk about with a big um, board in front of my face. <laughs> yeah, just I t- yeah, exactly. Just um, just get like a massive, enormous, like square oh. piece to go over your face, and just have the Desert Island Games logo on there. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, actually, I don't. Mind. I, do you know it's it's hard to explain. Um, Stephen, restaurant uh, was sent to me last week. Um, now the the promo for the, the one of the last shows, they had pictures of the regular guys we done up in drag. 
he said, oh, I would have done you, but you know, I know you don't like to have your picture on or whatever. I said, do you know what, I'd actually, it's strange, I wouldn't mind my, like, my face appearing on other people's channels. I just don't want it to appear on my own. And yeah, I guess so, yeah. Because, because I don't know, I don't tell a lot of people that I do this. And I suppose it would be easier for them to find... Well, I don't suppose it would. I'm, I'm sure some logic in here somewhere, but for some reason I would... I would rather not do it in my own channel, on my own channel, but on other channels, I probably don't mind as much. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. I mean, Mark, Mark is very similar because like he's on camera with me and he's happy to do his YouTube videos. Yeah. But like you know, then pe- you know, some people they paste it all over their Facebook wall. Oh, I've just uploaded this video and then da 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 da. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. He keeps YouTube and his Facebook separate because it's like two different aspects of his life. Yeah. And I'm the same. I don't post my YouTube videos on Facebook because it's, it's you know, I, I'm not embarrassed by any uh, oh. mad in any means. But it's just none of my real life friends who I communicate through Facebook with have an interest in retro games. So what's the point in sharing it? You just have people. All you do is like people just be like, oh, that's a bit yeah. different. Um, you know, I, I, again, I don't care. People, you know, at the end of the day, people are just as passionate about watching EastEnders. TV or whatever. So, <laughs> well, for, for me, it's like a double a double life. Uh, I've got this life that's in the box, and then my life, like my home life, is in a different box. Yeah, I I, I can see where you're coming from. It's it's. I mean, I'm the same dude no matter where I am or who I'm bothering with. But then, like when I'm when I'm playing with my friends in the band and we're out and about, they don't go, oh, dudes, yeah, I just played this amazing Sega Mega Drive game the other day because they don't really care about that stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, some of my friends are into gaming, retro gaming, to be fair. Um, but the only one that really knows that I do it, because he's subscribed to me, um, I, I tend not to talk. When he it, when it brings it up, I just tend to change the subject because I get embarrassed. I don't know why, but he's into retro gaming as well, and he's quite supportive. But a lot of my other friends would just, they would take the piss out of me. I don't know why they would, and I, and I, shouldn't, I shouldn't let it bother me, but that's me. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that, I was just typing. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I don't know, I've it's strange to strange to explain. Yeah, no, I, I I do understand though, I get what you mean. So, uh it's all good. It's all good. Um like I said, it's it's <clears throat> it's just different different Chris, I can't even think what I'm saying now. Like like my parents, for example, they know I love gaming, you know, of course they do, but they don't care about the fact that like I'm part of a restaurant and network, or that I, you know, collect things to them. It's just like, all oh, right, then, hmm, okay, you know. Well, I've always been, into, I've always been into doing things like this. Um, I've always been into doing sort of like creative stuff. So well, didn't you know. didn't you didn't you say you used to like work for a radio station? Yes. So obviously, yeah. obviously, this is sort of you know, if you will, a sort of uh, a product of that experience, I guess. Yes. Yeah, and also. In the latter stages of me working in the radio station, I was starting to do a bit of journalism sort of thing. I was going to the the NFL used to have a European branch, like um, Scottish Claymores and London Broncos. Yeah, I used, yeah. I used to go to help assist one of the radio guys um, to go to press conferences and things like that. So I was getting into journalism. I've always had an interest in journalism. So I guess doing things like this podcast, it's almost like 
it's almost like journalism in a way when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, again, it's just cool. Like, I mean, for me, with I've I've enjoyed it. It's just it's just a, it's an interesting show to be able to talk about, and it's nice for people to sort of hear the real me because in the videos, uh, the game hunting and all that, you only see a certain aspect, and we don't talk too much because we're you know we're busy searching for games and just doing that kind of thing. But it's nice to see people can hear the real me and what my personality is like and my love and passion and all that. And one of my biggest influences who's really helped me, I, I like I watch and I go, that man knows what it's about. That man has got, got, got he's on the ball. And that's Johnny Millennium and Rob from Happy Console Gamer. Those guys, they, they're both two dudes that have so many stories. They know so much about the games they love and you, you can see yeah. they love it through the way they talk. And, and I, I watch it and I think that's exactly how I feel about about yeah. it. That's exactly what I want to convey. Yeah. And hopefully that's sort of what I've been able to do. No, definitely. Actually, um, Rob Mann is such, such a nice, easy-going guy to talk to. And he's actually got a... Uh, talking to you tonight is very similar to talking to Rob Mann. You're both very passionate about your games. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's just the way it is, man. I mean... I don't know, I mean, some people can be passionate about, you know, some dudes kicking a ball on the field, I'm passionate about this. <laughs> Not knocking it either, I'm just saying. <laughs> Stephen had the idea of um, maybe one day soon turning it around, uh, just for the one-off special, and maybe have Harry Yak hosting the show and me being a guest. Oh, that'd be cool. I, I, again, I mean, I'm... Every time one of these goes up, I'm going to be downloading and uh, listening. In fact, uh, when this is done, I'm going to be downloading it to my phone. And I'm going to listen to it at work tomorrow, funny enough. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's a bit weird sort of breaking the fourth wall, listening back on yourself. But it's, I guess, like, I, I pick up on certain things I do and I think, okay, I need to stop doing that, whether it's stuttering or yeah, silly things, you know. Honestly, <laughs> when I'm doing my YouTube videos, um, I'm trying my best Honestly, try my best to cut out the airs. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's that's a common thing. Many people do it. I noticed uh, when you watch the news, you always see people go, "Aim." I think Aye. I'm gonna do this. Aim, aim, and I. When when you do it yourself, you, it's just a natural thing you do when you when you stop to think. But then now, what? like. Yeah, yeah, now these days, I so, like, I've probably done a lot of it tonight because subconsciously I haven't really thought about it. But now that I'm, it's sort of been brought to my attention, I, I'm actually, rather than going, um, I'm stopping and, and just taking like half a second to think what I'm going to say rather than going, um. <laughs> well, see, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a dilemma because I've, I've started to try and pause rather than say M, but then when I pause, my heavy breathing starts. <laughs> <laughs> You can't it's fine. It's fine. Just, just, just move your microphone. I've, I've been doing it all night. Uh, every time I stop talking, I've instantly moved my microphone. Yeah, I don't know if it's. I don't know how that sounds. It'll be interesting to listen back to see that sounds. <laughs> I've, I've been doing it as well. But then I realised when I was doing it, it's you're missing like your natural reactions for when, you, when you're uh, telling your, your stuff about your games and you're you're. It's, you're doing things that are make, making me laugh. You're you're not hearing me. I realised at the start you weren't hearing me laughing and things like that. So I thought, oh, I better just stop pressing the red button. You're, yeah. you're, not, you're not getting my actual reactions to what yeah, you're Yeah, I, 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 I know what I mean. But like, it's like for me, if I'm if I, if something makes me laugh, I I literally just instinctually hit the key to just let it go across rather than forget. It's it's mainly like a reaction because uh, through all my days of playing Left 4 Dead and 
Counter-Strike on the PC, I always use push-to-talk because there's nothing more annoying than having like someone whose microphone's constantly on. So obviously when you're like, shouting commands and communicating, you're just mm. always using it. <sighs> it it's, I think it was been edited out but um, at the start of last week's show, because I had a problem with my password login, I had to get Chris Shank to host the show for me. Mm-hmm. He would just kind of sit in the background and let me get on with it. But I think he had not muted his microphone, and you could hear him and his wife having conversations and things like that. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it got edited out. I don't think it was anything too bad, like. But <laughs> yeah, because I one one example I remember is um, uh, the Rob Man one, Michael Burnham's in that, and it's like it's nice to hear you and Rob talking, like for ages and then obviously you get into the topic about raising your kids and all that which is really interesting to listen to I actually really enjoyed that part and then Michael joins in in the conversation with you guys as well I noticed it was it, it was it was weird because Michael didn't have any intentions of jumping in it was a similar situation to what happened when Chris hosted uh, Michael had to host it for me because I lost my mic piece for my headset so the only way you could hear me clearly is if I jumped onto my iPad, but you can't host it from the iPad, so I had to get Michael to host it for me. And he said, don't worry, I'll just go off and do my thing and use you and Rob talk, but um, I think Michael just couldn't help himself to jump on, but it's good because because um, I was falling asleep. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so yeah, thought, yeah. You still got on with it, I'm going for a sleep. <laughs> I think uh, it was cool because, again, with you know when he talks about him... You know, you say you hear his kids. I mean, he's a passionate father, and uh, good to hear get to hear his side about about kids and video games and that kind of thing. It's yeah. it, it's a really enjoyable side topic to next to Rob Robman's uh, game choices and all that kind of thing. And I really enjoyed listening to his uh, his thing about uh, saying he take like on a was it like a gym on the island? You know, the uh, weight things and all that. Uh, that's right. He said he said he was going to bring a gym and. Uh, there's a book about gyms as well. Arnold, Arnold, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was Arnie, yeah, that's right. And but yeah, like you know, I mean, that was a great show. I, I, I can't even begin to imagine how awesome it must have been to be able to speak with Rob Man. It, it really. Is. I was kind of starstruck, but I had it well. Yeah, I mean, like, like for me, uh, as I said, as I just said about ten minutes ago, for me, Johnny Millennium and Rob Man are two of my biggest inspirations because. Again, they just, every video they just they could just go in front in front of the camera for ten minutes, talk about games, and you can see they genuinely have that love and passion and memories of them, and that's exactly how I feel about it and what I want to convey in my videos in the future. And yeah. it just oh, it would be amazing to talk to those guys. <laughs> Do you know? See, see if I had known you at the time, I, I would have tried to get you on because it would have been, but obviously you'd have had to be up at early in the morning, but um, I didn't know you at the time, it was before you joined Retro Online, so I wasn't aware of you, but if if that was happening next week, I'd have no problem saying if you want to jump on, you want to stay up to four o'clock in the morning, you're very welcome to do so. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's quite crazy it was all sort of come together, I mean, mm. I've only been a part of Retro Limb for like a month, if that really, I mean, oh, I, it's crazy, I mean, I uploaded that video, um, it started getting a bit of uh, exposure through Carl and Chris because those guys, you know, I, I started off as nothing more than someone who just used to watch their live stream and I liked Carl's videos and then obviously they started spreading it around people and then um, I managed to get in contact with uh, Stephen from Retro on them and just be like, oh, you know, so, um, <clears throat> you know, what, what's the sort of thing to become a content creator and get to know people and he's and he just obviously um we got talking and he just seen obviously 
hopefully you have like how passionate and how much yeah. I love what I do and uh, he's just like it's, you know it'd be a privilege and I was like no mate it's a privilege for me to be able to do it for you like <laughs> yeah no it's, I think it's very similar to me I mean I, I got I got into this via watching the Retro Online live stream and I think if you I think what they're looking for is people that are that stick around and people that get involved and if you do that you're bound to get trusted if you like and like oh this is this this is not some guy random guy this guy is watching every show and he's getting involved with it and he's doing his own stuff and i think it was scott the console snob that recommended me yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i enjoy so. i enjoy his stuff he's he's quite a he seems like quite a down to his dude <laughs> he's crazy <laughs> and he's, yeah. he was my second guest on days at Ellen games and um he picked a for his watch right and he picked a butt plug so <laughs> I had to do a bit of research into butt plugs for the show <laughs> oh dear yeah <laughs> so, so I just make, hoping the wife didn't find the internet history for that one <laughs> why are you looking <laughs> <some> butt plugs <laughs> yeah, just, just, just some uh, new ideas for the bedroom honey <laughs> <laughs> yeah just to space it off a little bit awesome <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, this um, as much as I loved talking to Rob Mann and as much as a privilege that was, I was if I was starstruck by that, I was probably doubly starstruck when I was talking to Al Wo. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's the Leisure Suit Larry guy. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Like for me, um, I know what Leisure Suit Larry is. I mean, I the the main one I remember is when it got re-released. I think it was like on the Xbox or PlayStation Two era or something like that. And I know, like, they had all the ones before that, but, again, that was, like, you know, PC and sort of, like, computer-based gaming. And when I was a kid, it was all about consoles, so I, I for me, I have no nostalgia connection to that. But then you being starstruck to him would probably be, like, me being starstruck to be able to talk to, like, Yuji Nak or Yu Suzuki, you know? Exactly, like, yeah. It, it's the, it, how you probably felt like that would be how I would feel yeah. with these guys, so... Uh, sorry, I was just getting a message for Stephen. Um, yes, that's what I was going to say there. You just kind of beat me to it. Imagine your favourite game out of that list you've just given me um, and how passionate you are about it. I'm probably as passionate about Leisure Suit Larry in, mm. in general as what you are about any of those games. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and here, here am I talking to the creator. <laughs> it's just like, is this exactly. actually happening? I am. Uh, it's like for me, like I mean, if 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 you Suzuki was like, hey, um, yeah, I'll talk to you all night, no problem. You know, go grab a beer and ask me anything you want. I'd probably be like, oh my god, where the hell do I start? You know, but I don't know. You find like with Japanese developers, they tend to be very secretive with their answers. They like to sort of keep to themselves. You find because um. I feel like loads of people have like asked you Suzuki like about the Saturn development and stuff like that, and they always give vague answers. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, we just worked on it for a couple of months and that's it." Whereas people are like, "Yeah, but what about this? How did they? How did you manage to pull this off?" And they just don't seem to go into that sort of aspect of it, which I'd love to know. Yeah, Al was very open uh, about. It. He was he was very honest in his answers. So I think. Like, is he still in the games industry like at no all? He's, he's I think he's retired like I guess that's, that's, he's, that's, he's, doing, he's doing stand up comedy or something now I think 
Yeah, I guess like that's why because you find like back in the day, like I know one thing, like you know, you know the Commodore 64 and Spectrum. Some of the biggest and best coders that made the most famous games for that were bedroom coders, like just dudes in their bedroom programming and release a game on tape and all that. And I guess like you know, with the, with the Western sort of culture, with the way we sort of are, they, they you know they're probably like, oh wow, cool, people remember what I did back then. Yeah, I'll talk about it. Go. Yeah. yeah. So. Yes. Um, was uh was Stephen Retro and then listening tonight or no he's not he's uh, he just sent me a PM on Facebook saying um show go okay and I went well yeah actually we're still talking and I think it's still recording <laughs> <laughs> because he was st- he said I'm going to listen to it now but I said I said I don't think you can listen to it until we stop um, recording so you need to wait <laughs> yeah I know he. He works night shifts and stuff, doesn't he? So it's quite difficult for him at times to keep up with shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I know he listens to them all. But hi, Stephen. If <laughs> <laughs> you listen, post, post, what's the word? Post show or something, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. The, the after show. Yeah. We could do this as a, we could, I suppose we could cut it up and do this as a Desert Island Games extra. The DVD bonus content. <laughs> it's weird because... And I'll send if you want. I'll send you the MP3 uh, later, so you can put it up on your channel. If that's what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm happy to just link to yours or whatever. Either way, I'm I'm happy to do it. I mean, again, like one of the things I've said from day one with like my channel is, I don't pay like I, I'm not a view hole, so I don't like uh, paste like every old Facebook like oh people look at my video, look at my video or whatever. I just you know, I upload it and it just goes from there and I don't really want to steal other people's content just for the sake of my own gain, if you will. No, not at all. I, I, I want to do that on... I don't really do it on... See, I've got my own Facebook, but I've got the Jail 76 Gaming. Yeah. I, I just spun it all on there and I, do, I don't even do it with every video. I just do it as a kind of... To let people know what I'm doing, I'm not really doing it as like for self promotion because, to be honest with you, I probably gonna get with three people viewing the body things anyway. <laughs> well. Yeah, I just, I just had a, some dude on Facebook called Joseph Thomas has tried to add me. Who? Joseph Thomas. Oh. I don't know if he's like someone that listens to the podcast or something, so I have no idea who the hell he is. Where has this came up? Oh, wait, he lives in Cardiff, so that's a start. <laughs> Oh well. Uh, he might be a dude who uh, I had, you, you know, since you've done like the game chasing videos, you've had quite a number of uh, Welsh retro people be like, oh yeah, I live in a clear there. I didn't realise that shop existed and so forth. So it's quite, uh, ah. it's quite cool to, it's, it's crazy to think that something so little, you know, connect, connect, connect to so many people. I mean, we've done three episodes and already like, you know, we've become friends with like next level games who are amazing guys. Yeah. And uh, we, we found another shop as well last Saturday, which I'm in the process of editing the episode for, and they're awesome as well. So Those guys in that shop in episode three were just uh, really, really amazing. Um, yeah. how, how cooperative and, like, they didn't really mind you coming in with a camera and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I went in and explained this, you know, the guys is like, yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. But I think what helped is that like, we were there for ages, obviously trying to get so much footage was a bit difficult when we're too busy and talking and having fun and all that. But he said the one thing he knows is when people come to the door, you can tell when they want someone's passionate and what they like when it comes to gaming compared to someone who's just, you know, just 
a time waster or an idiot, you know, because he said, like, so many people come in the shop, see the price of a Mega Drive game for, like, a five, and they think, oh, my God, I thought this was effing 50p for this old crap. And, and then he's just like, I, I just, like, people just don't understand, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good show, that, that game, Jason. Yeah, I think it could be have the potential of be, being quite big once it, it's, it gets going. It's not, like, my thing with it, I'm not trying, like, people like, oh, look, it's the, it's the Welsh game chasers and the valleys and all that. Yeah, it's, it's nice that people think that, but I'm not trying to be them, if you will, because, you know, they, they, they're really... They're very professional. Everything's done really well, but they also have that sort of wacky, zany side where they they cut into random. I'm a floating head and random dancing and silly stuff, <laughs> like that, which I'm not knocking. I love the guys. I've been a fan since like episode three, and I followed them, and I I still and always will continue to do so. But I'm not. Like, one of my fears when I was speaking with Stephen about retro and him, I said I don't want people to just brand us as wannabes or crap aversion because it's not really what we're trying to be like no not at all um, I wouldn't have thought that um, it's completely different yeah it's just but I, I just think it's refreshing uh, maybe it's just you maybe had a bit of luck with, it, with that shop but it's just I've never seen anything like that be somebody's actually went into a shop and the guy's been real open with you and let you film and things like that it's just really, really yeah I mean he if like and he actually went round the back and was like, oh, yeah, boys, I've got a virtual boy beer. Do you want to try it? I was like, hang yeah. on, you what? It's like, sorry, can you say that again? <laughs> it was it was amazing. I mean, I never thought I'd ever, ever get the chance to try one of them. But there you go. He just pulls it out randomly. I said, bloody hell, here we go. Are you subscribed to Mark Horsburgh? Who, sorry? Mark, Hors- Mark Horsburgh. No, I don't. I he's, a, he's a fellow Scottish uh, YouTuber. And... Um, he does a lot of pickups and vlogs and video responses and blah blah blah. But he um in one of his videos maybe about four or five videos ago, um he was like, I've got a pickup guys, I finally got it, I've finally got this three D Nintendo and everybody thought it was gonna be three D S but it wasn't, it was a uh, virtual boy. He he actually picked it up and he uh, was showing it off and it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it is it is pretty cool. I was very impressed playing it. I mean the 3D effect is surprisingly good. I really enjoyed it, but you know, it's more of a gimmicky thing. You probably at the time it's probably just like sort of awestruck because it's like, wow, this mega rare unreleased unit over here. Never thought I'd get to try one, so it's kind of amazing. But I, I imagine after a while it's kind of like, eh, it's alright, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's pretty bad for the eyes. I didn't have a problem with that. I, I like I said in the video, I was like, lots of people complain about it, but I didn't have a headache after playing for a while. I was fine, so... I don't know how it would work for somebody like me that wears glasses. <laughs> would you keep your glasses off or would you keep them on? Yeah, I th- that's a good point. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... Um... I mean, I have other video ideas I'm, I'm in the process of doing. Um... Like the the inspiration for these came from is that like I was watching um like Carl's pickups videos and I I was enjoying it you know he's just sitting in front of a camera so you know I got this and 
I noticed like on Retro Limp, everyone seems to do it, and I'm not knocking anything, I love it, I love seeing what people get, but I wanted to do more than just sit in front of a camera saying, yeah, I went to a shop and bought this game, yeah, I wanted to show the shops we go to, I wanted to show us like wandering about finding them, I wanted to try and sort of interact with the owner, the shop yeah. owners, sort of get to know them on a more personal level, and just, you know, just sort of get involved with the community a lot more. Yeah, that was that was the sort of inspiration behind it, rather than just being another pickups channel. I wanted to be a little bit more unique, yeah. if you will. Yeah, I would I would rather watch something like that as well. I'm not really, not really a pickup video kind of guy. Um, I've done one, maybe two, in the past, but I think to myself, what's the point? I, I'm I'm a kind of I don't know where. To, well, I didn't know where to go with my channels. I've got some ideas now, but I was just doing gameplays and I thought to myself, I'll do something different, but I don't want to do pickups. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. That's exactly it. Like, yeah. I mean, outside of Retro and Limb, there's, 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 there's thousands, if not millions, of gaming channels that do. They, they play a game for about a half hour or 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and they talk a little bit over it, and that bam, they just upload it. And again, I'm not knocking anything. It's great. Some some of the commentaries are really enjoyable. But it's just trying to find a niche and fill it, because there's yeah. so many other people doing the same thing. Yeah. It's, Ga- sorry, go on. So gameplays don't get viewed as much. Like, I mean, a lot of my... I'm doing a... Excuse me, I'm on Island walkthrough at the moment, and I don't know why I'm doing it because it's only getting two, three views every time. But do you know I'm doing it? I'm carrying on doing it because I'm, I'm doing it for me. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Like it's on, at the end of the day, <coughs> at the end of the day, there is that as well. If you you do it because you enjoy it, um, that that's cool as well, I guess. I mean, it all depends what you want to do because like some people, they're like, oh man, I'm not getting subscribers, or oh, why isn't my fan base getting any bigger and all that? And I guess it's just a I guess if you if you YouTube is oversaturated as it is with stuff, and I guess that if you're just not standing out though, you're just blending in with the rest of them, then yes. or if you're doing too many, too much of the same thing as well, which is why with the game chasing videos, well, I'm not going to be releasing them every single week in a dead spot because one, I don't have that the ability to be able to say right, this come out this Sunday and devote the 12 hours a day to blast that video out or whatever. But, like, I've got loads of great ideas of things I want to do. Like I said, I'm hugely inspired by the happy console gamer. And I want to do some videos where, like, you know, like tonight I've been speaking about Shenmue and, and Knights and how much I love them and the passion behind it. I want to share that on camera with people. Just, just you know, see, so other people that share the same opinion and share, share the same love for the same game I do can just enjoy it and connect with it and people that haven't played it can learn about it and go off and just that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Now, I'm I'm definitely trying to branch out and do different things as well. Um, then I'm doing, I've seen it aim again. Um, well, <laughs> I would say a good, a good start is this, to be honest with you, I know you're saying, oh, yes. you know, I'm ripping off that show or whatever. Bollocks to that. The fact is... This is very unique. I don't know any other, um, in fact, I don't really know many, if any, gaming sort of podcast, chat show, live things like this where, you know, people can come on and talk about these kind of things. Yeah, this this is a totally inspired idea and it's totally taken off in a, in, in a direction I never thought was possible. You should, you should, you should perhaps um, definitely upload it onto YouTube, you know, just slap your logo up and say, uh, 
I was a Desert Island Games episode one featuring da 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 da. Whack the link in the. It is up there. It is, it is on. It is on my YouTube channel. All, all every single episode is on my YouTube channel. Ah, cool. Do, do, that's the thing. Do they? Do do like you know when you upload it to the Retro and Limb Network uh, blog talk radio? Can you check how many listens or downloads it's had on there? Or yes, yeah, you, you can indeed. I won't. I won't go into it because we're still on air. But yeah, there's a stats. There's a stats um, console if you like. Um, and I think don't get me wrong the, the, the stats are amazing there has been some I mean it depends on what you consider being, uh, being amazing I mean there's there's no point in aiming too high but I, I consider um, live listens anything in double figures is good yeah yeah no yeah. not me like I said like I'm yeah. I'd say 20 20 people who've just listened to me is great there's 20 people on the planet who yeah and I've, I mean, looking back in some of I don't remember the exact numbers at the moment, but um, looking back at some of the archived episodes, some of them have been listened to over a hundred times. Like, like I imagine the Rob Man one. I mean, if you wanted to get exposure for your show, you should you post around places saying, look, I've managed to get be able to talk to Rob Man of Happy Console. Yeah, no, I, was, I was thinking about this, but... And maybe I still will, but I don't like I don't want like you appear as if I'm pure spamming people because I don't I don't like to spam people. No, no, I, I get that, but like I mean, if imagine if Rob Man or Johnny Millennium did a shout out saying, "Oh, guys, I'm on this show tonight. Here's the link." That's going to yeah. send all of their fans to listen to your show because they're going to listen to yeah. Rob Man, and you might make some more. And that's yeah. not that's not spamming. That's just simply. You know, it's just yeah. just mentioning it, I and mean, I think you should plug it more because, like, yeah. honestly, this show deserves so much more exposure than it's getting. I honestly, it really does because I thoroughly enjoy listening to it every day on my phone. Like, you know, every day. You know, what I mean, every time a new one comes <laughs> out. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, I think Michael did post a link to this on Roadman's Facebook page uh, at a time when it was happening, but. It didn't quite get the yeah of listeners we would maybe have hoped, but maybe, yeah, I don't know if we can maybe post it around other places, like you say. Yeah, like imagine, like again, like I said, imagine Rob Man makes a video next to Johnny says, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be on his podcast." Blah blah blah. Here's the link to listen. Go download it. You know, their their videos get like you know thousands upon thousands of views. Even if even if one percent of people click on a video, you're going to get a thousand listeners straight away. I tell you who did do that, and it was brilliant and. It didn't really get me a big load of viewers uh, at the start, but I think it's finally filtering through because uh, yesterday alone I got seven new subscribers. Um, so maybe it's just kind of delayed reaction. But Monkey Spaz done a shout yeah. out for me. Uh, it was a absolutely fantastic. It's the first time anybody's ever done anything like that for me. Don't get me wrong, I've had shout outs and a group of shout outs you would like, like Connect Video Game did, done a shout outs video and he mentioned me. Brilliant. But this. And was an actual shout out to me, just a, spe- a one off special video shout out to me. I've never had that before. It's just like, I was actually blushing. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's amazing. And um, I didn't get a whole lot of subscribers, but maybe they're just getting around to viewing the video because, like I said yesterday, I went up seven. The problem is, like I said, is that you need. Uh, it's not about spamming, because, like I said, I'm the same. I'm not going to post my bloody video everywhere. So people are like, oh my God, you're only doing it for. You know, you're whoring out or whatever, but the show does need to deserve a lot more exposure than what it's getting, and the only way you're going to do it is by sharing it, mate. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, when you think of the uh, listeners or the amount of subscribers, I should say, that um, Happy Console Gamers got, even if they got a 1%, 2%, <laughs> the amount of subs that they've got. But the, exactly. The, the other way of thinking about this is maybe they are listening to it and then go to my channel and then thinking, that's crap. <laughs> I'm not going to subscribe to that. You know? Nah, I, I just don't know. I, 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 I doubt it. I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, Jesus Christ, I've like. My subscriber list has shot up since I started doing the game shit hunting videos and. They're not exactly quality, and I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm really not. They're the most basic editing of all. I'm I'm an absolute beginner in all this crap. I mean, I try and do my best with what I can. They're nothing exactly amazing, but people seem to be enjoying them. And I wasn't and I wasn't talking to Rob Man because I wanted to to get a certain amount of listeners or anything like that. I was talking to Rob Man because he's a really nice guy to talk to. I, I don't I don't care about the amount of listeners I've got. Oh uh, no, it's amount exactly, of subs, you know. Exactly, but and you've proven that point because again, look how many you you're ten episodes in now, and it shows. You know what I mean? You haven't stopped doing it. You still love it, and yeah. again, to me, that's what showed. That's that's the difference. Is like you said, you didn't just do it just to whore out and get popular or whatever because. That's not where you are, not what you wanted to do. And no. but the fact that you've lasted this long proves that you're doing it because you just want to do it. Yeah, and do you know what, what keeps me going is everybody that comes on, they seem to love coming on, and that's and that's all I need. The, the fact that you the likes of yourself, Marcus Buzz, Nitty, video game did rich. You actually all genuinely get into it. Oh, I can't wait to go on the show, and, and you're not. Just bullshitting. You can tell you genuinely loved talking about your games, and Monkey Baz was the same. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Christ, I'm still, I'm still here like an hour later, so. Yeah. Yeah, we better find what's happening up. Talking about that. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get up for work in the morning at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I could talk all night, but we better end it. Um, Thanks again, Aidan. You've been an absolutely fantastic guest. Again, thanks to you for having me, mate, because it's been an absolute privilege. Yes. And uh, no doubt we'll have the stay in touch via Facebook and all that crap. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm always there. It's always good. To, it's always good to catch and chat, uh, chat and catch up, and maybe I'll catch you at Blackpool if uh, all goes to plan. Indeed. Yeah, I'll need to get that sorted out. Just in case this is still recording, and I think it is, I better play the outro. The, the outro. No, the, <laughs> can't even speak. <laughs> no, I've been speaking for three hours. So, yeah. outro tune. Okay, well, it's been just, just in case. <laughs> yep. Any final words? Just in case we are recording. Still, I think we are. Um, well, if we're still recording and people are still listening after three hours, Jesus Christ! Thanks for listening, and hopefully they've enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy listening to uh, to yourself back on your iPod tomorrow. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be listening back. I don't listen to them back. <laughs> but yeah. everybody else should. Good night. Good night, guys. Good night.